Okay, so we were actually just talking. I don't. I think I am going to redo that conversation though, because I asked how you say your name. I couldn't tell if Dawood was like a like an inside joke with friends or something. <laughs> and I'm glad I asked that right away because I don't know. A lot of my use my listeners might not know that. So, mm, yeah. what is your? How do you say your name? My name's Dawood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you pronounce it like a W V and like. English or like American English, I guess you would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's because it's a different language, the pronunciation of the letters are slightly different. Um, but it drives people crazy here because I, I live in Canada now and right. no one can say my name. It's it's really funny. Yeah, I put your name in parentheses because I thought it was an inside joke when I first <laughs> messaged you. Yeah, and fair enough. I really, I really understand. <laughs> okay. Well, well, so it's David. That, I mean, once you tell us, it's easy. Yeah. To say and remember, at yeah. least. No, that's true. Uh, uh, my last name, which I guess I won't say on the show, is uh, a long German name that's 14 letters long. So, oh, yeah, okay. that one's pretty fun, too, for me. But at least Tom is easy. Okay, can you can you speak German? I can't. I took some German for just work reasons. I can speak French, though. Oh, that's cool. Okay, awesome. Although, to be fair... I took a lot of French. It was a decade. Oh God, I think over a decade ago now. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it's very much so I can read it and understand most of it. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. (laughs) It's enough to give me some fans in France. They're very surprised when American can speak any language that's not English. So, can you speak any other languages? Uh, Yeah, so I actually, um, I'm I'm second language English. So Afrikaans is like my, my home language, although I can't speak it very well anymore. Okay. Well, I won't ask you to unless you want to, because that is actually interesting. I don't know anyone actually that I've talked to who speaks that. Oh, really? So it, it, it's very close to Dutch. They're like I can actually have a conversation with someone and they kind of understand what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, Dutch is an interesting language. When I was in the Netherlands, um, it's funny because you can kind of make out everything because it's just the way I describe Dutch is it's literally just the grammar of English, literally the same grammar. And then you just take German and French words, and instead of choosing one of them like we did in English, you just put them all together, and all the words are twice as long. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, that kind of that kind of sums up Afrikaans as well, I guess. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I mean, I let me and I don't know if you've ever listened to the podcast, but me and Dan every other episode do kind of like a a very sacred symbols esque news recap of what's going on in PC gaming and PC hardware. Yeah. And then in between that, mostly because I think um, like one of my favorite podcasts, Sacred Symbols, it's like a PlayStation gaming podcast. Although it's really not about PlayStation. They just talk about gaming. And there are some episodes where I feel like they kind of run out of things to talk about doing it every week. (laughs) So me and my brother do it every other week, especially because if you're talking about PC hardware, you're not going to have stuff to talk about every week. So I like to have guests on. So I'm glad you can do this. Um, I mean, we met in that Discord server, Chris, good old gamer. Yeah, uh, put together, uh, yeah. which was pretty cool. I don't know, like, I don't know what exposure you have, if any, to my channel. I actually saw your channel from his as well. Oh, okay, no, no, no. I've I've definitely watched some of your content because I also really like uh, not an Apple fans content, and yeah. um, it, it it's really interesting to see you know like your 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 perspectives like compared to each other. So I I, I have watched some of your channel, yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's funny, um, especially the, the more and more I keep making more and more content, mm-hmm. I have less and less time to watch each other's videos, to be honest. But like, I just did a podcast with Chris today, too, actually, as well. And I went back and watched some of his recent videos to catch up on things he's been talking about. And it was interesting, you realize that he's been doing a lot of similar videos to what I have. But if I go to Chris or Paul, well, their subjects are similar to mine. I can't really say the same for a lot of other channels. I'm not <laughs> sure why we keep talking about the same stuff. And we also, yeah, I'm sure you've heard of me if you've watched his stuff because me and Paul mention each other yeah. every other video, it seems, honestly. Like, it's almost <laughs> weird when I was catching up. But yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. But I think it's because I used to, on my channel, do um, kind of like more in-depth tech news discussions. Uh, because it's you know it's it's more difficult in the beginning to actually get your hands on more hardware to do builds for my use case. I, I I like actually getting my hands on with stuff, but I really enjoyed that aspect. Like I really enjoy the kind of like discussing what's happening and the market strategies of the various companies and how they're trying to compete with each yeah. other. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I am really interested in all of these topics. Yeah, I mean, it almost becomes your sports. It's like, what's the next team bringing out next year? And it is really really interesting to just kind of. You know, like war game out what they're going to do next uh, mm-hmm. versus each other, which is what I like to focus on. Hence, I made this podcast, which I, as time goes on, I'm kind of focusing more and more is trying to get a good PC hardware podcast out there because personally, I don't think there really are any. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to, I'll just speak. I mean, I'm, I know there's other ones. I don't mean to insult anyone, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, unless it's just like, and it, you know, different from a two hour live stream where they kind of just sit there and like in chairs with headphones on and it's like I want to I want to respect people's time and actually yeah. move through subjects quickly without just sitting there for 3 hours. Yeah. Um but so I guess the idea for this this is coming out right before the holiday season so we'll pr- I want to talk about like budget builds and like how you choose components but before we do that i kind of want to establish a baseline because i've never i've never talked to you before so like what were you expecting from like just real quick and if there's only one subject you want to talk about that's fine from like what did you think about the turing launch that kind of started this year yeah so i you know there was it was really controversial obviously because of the fact that like at all of the various kind of like brackets that they were releasing the GPUs in there wasn't mm-hmm. really an, any kind of performance advantage uh from no. like the previous generation and they were just kind of shoehorning in this new technology that no one you know it's it's not ready yet it's the same with like DirectX 10 when it initially came out like <laughs> which i'm not sure if that was ever really adopted either <laughs> yeah yeah right like it it kind of it's this like supposedly very impressive technology but it doesn't it doesn't do anything and when you when you you know get actually get titles that 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 support ray tracing for example like it just it it the performance hit is so massive and it's it's it you i can't tell the difference like i actually have used rtx hardware before and I, I genuinely can't tell. Um, so it was a pretty disappointing launch because we've been waiting. Yeah, I so couldn't long. agree more. Like, um, and this is something I've talked about ad nauseum in the podcast with Chris and Paul. But, um, and I just talked about with Chris, although that episode will come out after this one, actually. But that the fact that he did his RTX control video and it's like there's like blood on the ground and it reflects and it's like, Blood doesn't reflect like a mirror, guys. And yeah. one of my first videos was making fun of the Battlefield 5 trailer with RTX because I play a ton of Battlefield. And I was like, the fire looks terrible. And then you're trying to show me this shiny car 
Can you make the fire not look like a PS2 sprite before yeah. we start worrying about making the cars look like mirrors? And all of, by the way, all of these cars are way too shiny. It's distracting. Yeah, that's not what metal actually looks like. It's no. it's such a ridiculous thing. Um, I also love Battlefield, by the way, and I was I was quite disappointed that that was because it really seemed like they just kind of stapled it onto the release at the end of the title, just mm-hmm. so that Nvidia would have something to point to. Um, well, they probably just straight up paid them to add it. I yeah, mean, that's yeah. probably what's going on with all of these games with RTX is they are literally paying them to add it. And the funny thing is, you know, I've been so negative about NVIDIA this year. My channel is only a year old. So all people know is I shit on NVIDIA <laughs> and Intel. But I don't have to tell you guys, Intel's a joke right now. And NVIDIA's, I well, you hear my opinion right now what I think of them. But if my channel would have started in 2018, before the RTX cards would have come out, I actually would have been really bullish on them before they came out. Because when I looked at the specs of the 2080 Ti, I was like, oh, wow, like that should be pretty powerful. And the way you always, it's so hard to not fall for Jensen's marketing. Like, <laughs> yeah. He is, he really is good at selling a product. When he was talking about RTX, at least what I told myself is this my brother could never get his 560 Ti. Uh, SLI to work, you know, five, seven years ago, whenever those were out. And it turns out later we found it was a chipset problem with what he had. But so eventually there's too much flickering. He sold the 560 Ti to my cousin or he traded it plus money with a 460. And then he took my cousin's uh, GTX 460 and used that as a PhysX card. And in the games like Metro 2033 that had PhysX, he could turn PhysX to the max and it would actually give him a 10% performance boost because now that one, it's only 10% of the frame rate is those physics in the game, but he could get higher performance. It's probably more like 5%, but at least he got a 5% performance boost and he could turn up PhysX in some games. Mm -hmm. That was the trade-off he made because he couldn't get SLI to work. And when I saw RTX, I thought, well, you know what? I get Amdahl's law. I get that just throwing more cores at the problem ain't going to work forever. So maybe splitting things off, maybe putting over here RTX. What if the lighting, which I don't know a percentage, it depends on the engine, but let's say in a game engine, 20% of the performance hit is lighting. Just what if we just didn't take that performance hit anymore and we had a part of the die just worrying about lighting? However, that's not what happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no low RTX setting that gives you higher performance than turning it completely off. And that's so, I mean, that's what I say is before it came out, if my channel existed, I would have said maybe they'll do that because mm-hmm. that's what I would do. And, you know, maybe they will get it to work at a decent level. And DLSS, I love the idea of yeah, DLSS. Yeah. None of it happened. Yeah. None of it, 2019. <laughs> Very disappointing with Turing cards in that way. Yeah, no, it really is. Because there was that whole thing of like, when the release happened, it was, okay, the pricing was really crazy, but maybe, maybe it's going to be worth it because maybe this technology is actually going to do something. And yeah, like you said, it's it's the end of 2019 now and it still hasn't. Like it's, (laughs) yeah. it's it's quite an And And the super launch is an even bigger joke to me too. Like I can't believe... I've talked about this with my brother over and over who's that co-host of the podcast. Just like, I really think NVIDIA, at least the advice I gave at the beginning of the year is, look, by the end of 2019, Turing will be a year old. No one would be mad if you launched a new series. And there's room for that. Mm -hmm. Launch a 12, don't call it the 2080 Ti Super, call it the 3080 Ti. 
Give it faster GDR6. Give it a full 384-bit bus. Give it 12 gigabytes of RAM. Overclock it. That sucker will be probably 20% better than the previous gen. And then you can lower prices to the low price of $1,000. <laughs> and then you could have taken the 2080, just call it the 3080. Give it faster RAM and the full die. It's 15, 10% stronger and sell that for 600. And then the 27, you know, the 3070 for 400. Like, and then what you do is a week before Navi launches, you just cut prices by like a hundred bucks across the board. Say these cards are end of life. No one would have bought Navi. Yeah. Everyone would have bought the old cards and they could have launched cards 20% stronger for slightly less money. They would have taken all of the mind share. AMD is taking market share now. Yeah. Nvidia is losing market share. They should have just had the balls to say, it didn't work. They didn't fall for it. <laughs> Let's drop prices launch a new series, even if it's only 20% stronger. But they didn't. And now we have all these super cards. And I, my little brother, Dan, he's, he's, he doesn't pay nearly as much attention, which is why I like him as the co-host, because he just kind of asks questions. And, you know, he's kind of the more layman in the conversation. And he's like, when I looked at the super series, I was like, what's happening? Like, <laughs> yeah. if you think about it, the 2080 Ti is like 50% stronger than the 2060. So we have 2060, 2060 Super, 2070, 2070 Super, 2080, 2080 Super, 2080 Ti. We have seven cards that are within 50% of each, like within 30% performance. It's a complete mess. Everyone's confused. And NVIDIA is losing market share and rightfully so. Like they should have. Anyways, that's my whole spiel on that. I don't know what you think about the Super launch. Well, I, I actually think it was hilarious because the thing is like AMD played it really well. Because with the... Surprisingly, um, yeah. Yeah. I kind of would like to believe that it was intentional because when, I think it was at Computex, when they first mm -hmm. announced the uh, RX 5700 XT and non-XT variant of that card, mm -hmm. uh, they launched it at a higher, or announced it at a higher price. And I think that it, it kind of seems like they were baiting out super prices because, you yeah. know, with the $500 price of the 2070 Super and stuff like that, they kind of go, oh, joke's on you. We're not actually going to release it for that price. We're dropping everything by $50. And at that price point, the GPUs are actually really competitive. Uh, because there was a lot of disappointment initially about like, oh, really, the, the, these graphics cards would like the Navi cards would have been so much better at a, at a lower price, and then they just kind of went and did that. So I mean, either either they just listened to the consumer base and they were like, okay, well, if we want to actually capture market share, we'll drop the price. But kind of seems like they were baiting a response there. I don't know. What do, what do you think? That's that's a good question because I do also I'm always skeptical to give companies any benefit of any doubt. <laughs> you know, enough, when yeah. they say, "Oh no, we had a master plan the whole time." And I also know from talking to a couple people at AIB is that they really wanted to sell it for 500 too. Oh, <laughs> they really? were considering okay. launching 500. And my gut was like, I remember like a week before that came out, I did a big video one of our more popular ones where I'm like, I think they're going to go for 400. And then I'm like and then at the end of the video, I'm like, actually, I don't know. I think they're going to do 500 Like, my gut was, they want to charge $500 for this thing. They want to. But then they lowered it by 50 bucks to do whatever. And then they waited for the final super prices. And then they said, eh, 400 mm -hmm. But I don't know how much you bought into the adored TV leak from late 2018, the infamous leak that basically told us everything. I think, at least at the time, the information was correct. And I yeah. think AMD would have been happy to charge. I think they wanted to charge 500 but they would have been happy to charge 350 for that card. And they just met at 400. So I'm not really sure if they intended to, honestly. Yeah. 
Because I mean, to be like, I, I remember during 2018, there was a rumor going around about Navi is going to be like, we're going to get GTX 1080 performance for $250. There was a yeah. th there was a period where that was kind of like the the general consensus about what we're going to get from Navi. Um, a lot of people were skeptical, but I believed it. I yeah. just because Polaris was 290x performance for 250, so why not 1080 performance? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was kind of what like that, like I, I don't exactly remember what the Adore TV leak was around Navi. I kind of more remember the Ryzen 3000 thing. So what was what was that leak saying? Yeah. About so and here's the thing: is the first leak, and he did a follow up a month later was that you basically had compute units between, I don't know, 24 to 64, so you had an entire lineup. And the the thing was they had like a thing called Navi 10 that was a, it was about what we got here, but it was clocked at 1.5 gigahertz and it used 100 watts. And so that was supposed to be a GTX 1080 for 250. And then there was Navi... I believe, I'm trying to remember, yeah, it was Navi 12 above that. And that was supposedly like 48 to 56 compute units. And those two cards were going to be like for $400 getting a 1080 Ti. Okay. Now, here's the funny thing is a month later, he said, engineers at AMD are saying this is a complete clusterfuck. Like we, this is a mess. This architecture sucks. Like we're having a lot of problems. So you know, whatever. And we haven't yet to see a Navi card above 40 compute units, but we do have one that is 40. And the interesting thing is the original leak had it at like 1.5 gigahertz using 100 watts. Hmm. Well, now we have it at 1.9 gigahertz using uh, 225 watts. So it is, and I stick by this, it is my opinion. The initial leak was what they wanted to do. It didn't pan out. They canceled the big cards. They overclocked the snot out of them, and then they charged... $400. So that's what's so weird. And this is what I talk about with Chris too, is for Navi, it actually did impress me, but not the way I thought it would. Yeah. I thought Navi was going to be like, I don't know, 250 to 350, basically another RX 480. Except this time, I think the RX 480 was intended to compete with the 20, with the 1070. It did not. And that this time it would compete with the 2070 but that it would be like $300 and it'd be like almost a 2070. What we got was almost a 2080 for 400. Yeah. But it's not m more efficient than Turing, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it is, the pricing on it is is actually really good. Like, I think they're kind of with two graphics cards made like four NVIDIA graphics cards irrelevant because like the 2060, the 2060 yeah. Super, the 2070 and the 2070 Super and kind of the 2080 as well are, are just yeah. irrelevant now. Like, you shouldn't buy one. That's why it really annoys me, like the idea of this defeats that. It's like, what do you mean by defeats? Because mm -hmm. I don't know how long you've been into PC hardware. I'm sure it's longer than a lot of people. Like, I remember when we were happy when the 7970 was twice as strong as the 6970. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is a performance increase for me. And when yeah. I see a 10% difference, I'm like, I mean, 10% difference, it would have to be almost a tie for me to care about that in price. Yeah. No, fair enough. And I mean, it was it was that like Pascal was crazy. Like the 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 performance increase from the nine eighty to the ten eighty was like it was it was a pretty beastly graphics card because I yeah. think it was like the ten seventy was directly comparable to like the nine eighty Ti. You know, it that was, was yeah. yeah. So that was kind of what we had the previous generation, and I think that's one of the reasons why Turing 
was so disappointing. I actually think Chris made a video on that where he was talking about how the reason that that the touring launch was, launch was such a failure was because the 1080 Ti was actually just too good. It was such an amazing graphics card that like... Yeah, I, I, I think um, it's interesting. I actually have mixed feelings about the 1080 Ti because... Um, so like I'm an engineer, so I'm a dork. So I own a Radeon 7. Okay. But I own it because it's really good at mining. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's really good at rendering. And so, and also it's red. I got the special edition one because uh, oh, awesome. it was the same price. My favorite color is red. That's it. That's my defense. That's why I own it. My favorite color is red. I'm not going to defend it any more than that. But also it's really good at mining and rendering. And it has 16 gigabytes of RAM. And I'm a dork. I mean, I'm sorry. The fact that I got a seven nanometer card before anyone else <laughs> yeah. with 16 gigabytes of HBM. I mean, I think it's cool. I'm like one of those guys who drives like a 700 horsepower car that probably should just be a four cylinder with a turbo. <laughs> but, you know, it's really not any faster. It just weighs more. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, like I, I know. But but that's what really um, bugs me so much about the 1080 Ti's. Is as impressive as people thought it was. I was like, 11 gigabytes, huh? <laughs> you guys can't even give us the full 384-bit bus. You're just too cheap to do that. Like yeah, that. Yeah. So stuff like that made me dislike it a bit. And I never thought its price performance was that great. I mean, people can feel free to uh, call me out on that. But you know, Nvidia is allowed to charge whatever they want. When an AMD had nothing, and I think they really thought Vega. I think we all thought Vega would be a lot stronger than it was at gaming. Yeah, and it just wasn't. No, definitely. I, I think AMD has quite a bad, a bad history of being screwed over by the rumor mill, because you know it happened with Vega. They released it, the poor Volta marketing, yeah. though. <laughs> I yeah. mean, come on. No, it's true. <laughs> I agree, though. They are usually. Uh, that's something I always said in the WCCF comments, which is where I dwelled before I made this channel. It's like all these people saying, as usual, AMD hyping up a product. And I'm like, these are rumors. Yeah. AMD is not hyping up the product. You guys are. Yeah, it's not them, and they and they always get the short end of the stick with it. I mean, it was with Ryzen 3000 as well. It was, you know, there was there was a huge hyping up around what we were going to expect from the CPUs and. It's, they're amazing. They're amazing CPUs. But it, yeah. Kind I'll of, probably end up getting one within a year. Yeah. yeah. I still have a 6700K, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's an, that, I mean, you know, that, that's a, that's still a pretty good CPU. Like that's, that's you know, it, it was, works fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and it, it happened with, with Vega as well, like you were saying earlier, where there were amazing expectations about what Vega 64 was going to do. And then it kind of didn't pan out quite the way that it was going to. Um, so yeah, I, I think AMD is quite unlucky with that when, when it comes to like what the rumor mill, like the expectations that they create. You know, the one thing I would say about Vega though is AMD really, and I, yeah, AMD themselves should have gone out of their way to curb mm. enthusiasm ahead of time on that one. Yeah. Because a lot of my friends built PCs in 2016. A lot of people did. A lot of that was a big year to build PCs. That's when we had massive shortages, and it also kicked off the next mining craze. Like that was a big year. A lot of people have PCs from that year, and so a lot of people's touchstones are AMD's budget brand. You know, mm -hmm. 2016 Zen One wasn't out yet. Everyone saw AMD as a budget brand, both in graphics and CPUs. They're like AMD is always, and I've had multiple friends who built PCs that year say stuff like, "Well, you know, AMD always offers good price performance, so who cares if they can't ever take out Nvidia?" And I just, it was so annoying <laughs> to come from like the 
5000 series. That's like where I really started to yeah. get into it. And I'm like, no, AMD used to crush NVIDIA yeah. more. Because like, if you think of it, it's not true anymore. I can't say it's true anymore. Mm. But five years ago, I used to say, well, hmm, I don't know. The 5871, the 6970 had more RAM than the 580 and really wasn't that much weaker. It was more efficient too. And it was cheaper. And, I, I actually had one. I had a, I had a 6970. Yeah, I had a 6950. It was uh-huh. very good. Yeah, yeah. And then the 7970 came out and just blew the doors off of yeah. performance, brought us three gigabytes of RAM. The 680 was ahead for like a month mm-hmm. until drivers matured and you could overclock the 7970 like no other. It was... Again, like, and I and I sent you that in my notes. Like, that's my favorite card from 900 megahertz, 925 megahertz was the stock. I got it to 1215. So I just want people to put that in perspective. That's, you know, 30% higher core clocks. Yeah. And the memory, I went from 1375 to 1835. That's almost a 50% increase in bandwidth. Yeah, that's like, crazy. That's going from 256-bit to 384-bit. <laughs> and I remember... In that time, matching Titans in benchmarks and being like, what? Why is anyone buying NVIDIA? (laughs) And then the 290X came out, crushed NVIDIA again. And then I had to sit through my friends building PCs where AMD kept falling short ever since the 290X, unfortunately. And that's where it's just like, I think it's a choice. AMD Mm -hmm. will compete when they want to. But they, and again, bringing it all for a circle, I completely went off subject there. The Fury came out. I think we really expected it to be better than the 980 Ti. At least from their history, it's like, why can't AMD compete? It's a liquid-cooled HBM card. Yeah, yeah. And it was about the same performance, and it couldn't overclock. Mm. And then, of course, Vega comes out, and they're like, oh, they're using HBM again, and it's 14 nanometer. Honestly, AMD... Can you blame us for hyping it up? <laughs> yeah, it was a yeah. giant HBM card on 14 nanometer with high bandwidth cash. Of course, we're going to hype it up. Yeah. It should have beat the 1080 Ti. Yeah, yeah, it really should. But it didn't. And it's because it had a third less ROPs. It was not a gaming architecture. Mm. And so I don't know why AMD is so bad at messaging. They're just yeah. so bad at like getting ahead of the story. Yeah. They really should try and find some way to deal. But I mean, I like the thing is, it, it's quite difficult because you can't just be like, these rumors are definitely wrong because then you're giving a lot more away than you want to, I guess. And like, you I want don't... people to not buy the 1080 Ti before Vega comes out. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So it's in their best interest to hype it up, but there's got to be a way to do it mm. where you're not just constantly, you know, if you're in the WCCF comments, a common troll is AMD always massive disappointment. Yeah. And it's like, and it's annoying though, because that didn't used to be true. Mm. That didn't used to be true. They used to perform better than you would expect. Yeah. Which yeah, I, let me ask you this. Uh, we're almost wrapping up everything we can talk about before the main <laughs> subject, but what was your expectation for Zen 1? For Zen One, um, yo, that was actually a while ago. I can't quite, <laughs> I can't quite remember how I felt about that. But the thing is, I, I was, I, the only thing that I remember was specifically waiting for it before making my decision. So I, I always try and not get too sucked into the whole, um, you know, like rumor mill thing because, yeah. you know, I've, I've, I've been disappointed enough times to know that like it, it usually doesn't quite work out the way from not like, and I'm not talking specifically about AMD. The same goes for Intel. And oh Nvidia. yeah. Um, so I was just kind of waiting to see because they've been talk- they were talking about like about Zen coming since 
like early bulldozer days. They were like, yeah, this is like <laughs> they had to. <laughs> yeah. They were like bulldozer's terrible, but like Zen's coming and it's gonna be good. Um so I was I kind of spent I just I was just waiting for it to see what was happening. And then I actually bought a 1700X the moment that it was launched. Yeah. I was like, this is I mean, if you're into any form of content creation, which I wanted to start a YouTube channel at that point. Uh, mm. You you have to buy the Ryzen CPUs. So I was I was so impressed with the actual launch of the product. Can't quite remember what my thought process was beyond just waiting to see what it was what it was going to do. I remember not having that much hype right away. I always liked AMD's APUs. I mm. thought Bobcat and Jaguar Cabini were fantastic micro APU architectures. I still dork out over the fact that they were selling. I don't know if you remember the AM1 motherboards. Like those were like $30 motherboards. And then you could get a quad core for that uses 25 watts for like 40 bucks. That blew me away. But in terms of high performance, I mean, I mean, yeah, I was just checked out. And I remember. My brother went, actually, you'll like this. I don't know if he wants anyone else to know, but I'm going to say it. So he had a Phenom 2 quad core. Okay. And it was great. I love Phenom 2. One of the better architectures I think AMD's had, especially back then. And he got a liquid cooler for Christmas, an all-in-one liquid cooler for my parents. He was still in high school at the time. He's my little brother. And while he's building the PC, like he's at the like island uh, in counter in the middle of our parents' kitchen. And he's like putting his PC together. And like he puts down the liquid cooler and it slides and slides against the phenom and the phenom just slid off the island onto the floor. Oh, what? (laughs) Bent the pins and it was Christmas. He just got a new liquid cooler and he just drops his quad core. And I'm just like, (laughs) well, and I look at him, well, that's fucked. (laughs) And we tried to bend it back into shape. I put it in and we actually got it to boot, but it would crash after five minutes every time. what? So then he immediately orders a pile driver eight core, which okay. at the time was $130. Like Rush orders that, which was fine then. But, and it outperformed his Phenom in gaming. He said, at least in like Far Cry and the games he was playing, it actually increased performance by like 20, 30% okay. for him. Um, so it's not all bad, but I remember that thinking pile driver was decent and maybe it was better price performance than Sandy Bridge. But once Ivy Bridge came out, it started to get really hard to recommend any bulldozer. And then when uh, Haswell came out, I was like, guys, it's over. Like, their I3s are as good as pile, like the 8-core. Like, it is. The Haswell I3 is as good at gaming. It's better. It's actually better at gaming than that pile driver in the games at the time. And, like, I just remember... go. So, going into 2016, I was just like, well, I don't know what's coming out, but it has to be better than these 125-watt 8-cores that can't beat an I3. And and, And I know there's so many people listening right now saying, I had an 8350 and I liked it. And I'm like, well, okay. It was weaker than a Skylake i3. I don't know what to tell you guys. I'm glad you liked your CPU. I hope it was cheap when you bought it. <laughs> I actually have to admit, I, I had an 8350. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was pretty there cheap. Was this, there was one year where it was like a pretty good price performance. I recommended it over Sandy Bridge i5s just because it was, you know, it was... A better and better at content creation. But by the time Haswell's out and then Skylake, it's like, yeah, <laughs> I can't yeah. believe they're still selling these things. <laughs> yeah. Like, and so going into it, I just remember the expectation being okay, there's 
they're doing this interesting infinity fabric thing. Mm-hmm. That's a brilliant idea, at least. Yeah. I'm sure there will be a performance hit. And I just remember thinking, well, I think what I expect, if it's really 95 watt TDP, I guess I expect an eight core that's at like three gigahertz, Sandy Bridge, three gigahertz, eight core, but it'll use half the energy as Intel. At least that'll be cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then it comes out and it's four gigahertz and it's actually uh, uh, almost Haswell IPC. <laughs> like it's not yeah. that far behind Skylake. And yeah. you just go, oh, whoa, oh, wow. The, the game's changed. Like yeah. I remember seeing the reviews and just going, what? This uses the same energy as Intel's quad cores and it's, it's IPC is almost the same. It's just clock 20% slower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was Im- immediately blown away. And in fact, blown away how many channels were still saying the 7700K is worth <laughs> anything. Like that, yeah. that, that absolutely floored me that anyone would recommend that. Yeah. No, I, I think uh, we, we can forever be grateful to to the Zen release because it it broke the 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 quad core hell that we were stuck in yeah. for so many years. Like it really, <laughs> the AMD really did us a solid with that with that launch because it's you know we're at a point now where you can in November you're going to be able to buy like a 16 core mainstream CPU like that's yeah. that's which I, which I think I will because I I've always done budget builds and so it's like well at least I have an excuse for my channel if I can get a hold of one we'll see if it's not a paper launch but yeah you yeah. know. But it's it's funny to think, well, that's not really good price performance. But then I just think to myself, when I built this, and I had an IT, I have an ITX build, I was considering a 6700K, which was $300 where I was, or a $450 six-core Broadwell E, $450 for six cores. Yeah. Now that's $200, and the IPC is like 20% higher. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, I know the sixteen core is seven fifty, but it's like it, the ten core Broadwell E was seventeen hundred dollars <laughs> three years ago. I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna try to spoil myself just because like things have changed so fast. Like, and I don't think it's gonna stop. I think the thread war is on, mm. and this is gonna continue. No, definitely. Um, I mean, did you see, I think it was today that MSI accidentally leaked the 64 core. <laughs> like, the 64 yeah. core, well, potentially accidentally leaked it. But that's that's pretty exciting, if that is real. Yeah. And I, I suspect it will be. I've done a bunch of Threadripper speculation videos. I'm kind of, I mean, I, now we know. Now we know it starts at 24 cores and goes yeah. to 32. And I think there's this insistence that then there's going to be the 3980 for 48. And mm-hmm. then the 64... And then I'm like, eh, we'll see if there's a 48 core. Do they even need a 48 core? Either yeah. you're someone who wants 24 or 32 cores, or you just want all the cores. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. I agree with that, and yeah. I mean, I actually don't think it's a bad idea if AMD just went 24, 32, and then for three thirty five hundred dollars, 64. Screw it. Like, yeah. Why not? I, I mean, it, the, anyone who's looking for 64 cores, I feel like is just gonna buy it. Yeah, it doesn't really matter that it costs over three thousand dollars because if you if you want that kind of performance, it it doesn't really matter, right? And we know where the floor is. They're selling again. This is what I keep telling people: like, well, I I just want that sixty four core. And I'm like, you can buy it now. You can yeah. go to Newegg. There's an epic sixty four core for four grand. Yeah. So you can already buy, and that is eight channel memory. So if you actually do want that, guys, you understand you can buy epic. You don't yeah. need Threadripper. It'll work fine. In yeah. games too, by the way, uh, if if they don't crash when they boot up because it has too many threats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, it is like you were saying the the whole thread war is really exciting. It's just interesting to see where it's going to go. 
Yeah, and it, it's... I guess we'll see where it stops, but I don't think uh, we're done. The consoles are going to have 16 threads. And in fact, the PS5, again, is going to have a backup ARM processor. So that's 16 threads for gaming, mm. not for any background tasks. I really think in a few years, eight cores will just kind of be the $200 standard. And it's yeah. just so funny to think that in two years, five years ago, everyone was debating buying two, four cores or spending like $1,000 on a six core. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yo, those those savage days back in the day. Like it really and, and to be fair, there were five years where that was the standard. Mm. Like that was it. That's all you had. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I it's a really awesome future. So I guess we've kind of done a recap of what we think about all the recent stuff. I thought of since it's almost the holiday, it is the holiday season. We're in it. Mm-hmm. Um, that everyone's probably building PCs right now and just kind of giving general advice for literally how to build a budget build because I saw your video about the GT 710, <laughs> which apparently is the second most popular graphics card on new, on Amazon right now. Yeah. It's the second. Is that Amazon Canada or Amazon US? A- Amazon.com. So Amazon US, which okay. is pretty terrifying because it's a huge market. Like it sells to yeah. so many people. Um, yeah. I can't believe it because it's like in the actual benchmarks, it turned out that the 710 is about yeah, half I saw the speed of integrated Intel graphics from like three generations ago. It's, yeah, it's, it's not shocking. even like Crystal Well or some kind of Ice Lake graphics. We're talking, you know, Skylake, arguably Broadwell graphics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's not even the same performance. It's half the performance. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. And while I was busy doing like research for that video, I stumbled across. Um, like gaming PCs, like all-in-one, like or like pre-built gaming PCs. Yeah. That I think I buy Power Cells, which mm-hmm. has a 3200G in it as the CPU, and then mm-hmm. they have a GT710 in it, which is just stupid. Wait, really? Yeah, because it's <laughs> like, how does that make any sense? Because like the 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 Vega graphics in the 3200G is so oh, much yeah, faster. Oh yeah, way better. <laughs> yeah, and they're selling it for 500 US dollars, which is just it's outrageous. And it is. It 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 really it really is shocking. So I think one of the first things would be, don't look at budget pre-built systems because oh my they, god, they're a nightmare. They're absolutely horrendous. Because the thing is, with these with the current APUs, it's actually you're kind of spoiled for choice when it comes to building more budget-oriented builds today. Because mm-hmm. I think one of the best routes to go is to get something like a 3200G or a 3400G, depending on your budget. And just skipping a graphics card initially. Yeah, you can now. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's, it's amazing. You can get like decent 1080p performance off like integrated graphics. And then later down the line, you drop in something like an RX 570 and you have amazing mm-hmm. 1080p gaming performance. And you know... On the subject of the 570, people keep asking me, they've been asking me for months, you know, like, uh, do you think I should wait for like whatever? And I'm like, I don't know how good smaller Navi is going to be. Mm. I mean, I can guess it's around an RX 590, but I can tell you it's not going to be $100. And you can get RX 570s for 80 bucks on eBay right now. I Like whatever it's going to be, it's not going to be better than that. You're never going to beat this price performance. And AMD is still manufacturing them for a reason. Mm. Frankly, they're probably making a killing on these 14 nanometer cards that cost nothing to make anymore. But they're a hundred bucks and they play 1080p fine. There's no game this won't be able to run. 
no matter how strong the next-gen consoles are, yeah. if you're happy with 1080p, well, they'll run it at 4K. You yeah. can run it at 1080p, and you paid 100 bucks for this graphics card. Yeah. No, it's it's amazing. I I, I kind of did a... A, a, a 2400G build where I kind of went like kind of demonstrated that upgrade path of just like mm-hmm. eventually dropping in a 570 and it it it's like the best value upgrade you can ever do in a PC because you're going from kind of like playable at like low to medium settings 1080p gaming to like high to ultra settings on a lot of newer games at 1080p mm-hmm. with a graphics card like you said that you can get for like 80 bucks off of Amazon um, so I, I think your recommendation of you know like why wait for the small navi ones because the real price to performance is 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 with this kind of like 570 thing it's awesome graphics gun and i think rdna is going to age incredibly well similar mm-hmm. to how gcn 1.0 did like when the 7970 came out it was only about honestly 40% 30% better than the 6970 now a year later once drivers matured i mean it's like 80% better and even mm-hmm. if that happens well you, how much did you pay for the 570? Yeah. You know, it's still going to age fine. It's mm-hmm. not ever going to get, it, it, it's not going to lose that much relative performance to whatever Navi card comes out, yeah. uh, in my opinion. But this um, brings up a good point is, I think when you do a budget build, there's two ways to go about it. And I saw this emerging in the comments on my Discord when I asked them what they thought. Either you're going to min-max now, which I used to have fun doing that in college, just like putting together. I'm such a dork. I would just put together like <laughs> bookmarks on Chrome of budget builds and just yeah. go, wow, look how cheap I could make that for fun. And I never yeah. built it. Um, like you can do that, which is its whole thing, which I'd love to talk about too. Or you can do what you said, which is, well, maybe you get a really good power supply that'll last forever, mm-hmm. a really good case, a decent motherboard, maybe not the best, but a decent motherboard and a good cooler. And then whatever size SSD you can afford, yeah. and then you just throw in an APU, and then mm-hmm. you wait, and you upgrade to a 570. And then when your quad core starts getting too weak, you can upgrade to a 12, a 12 core if you yeah. want to. Yeah. No, and and the, the thing that I did just want to, like the note that I want to make on that is um, be careful with the motherboard that you buy for that kind of process, like for that kind of product. Yes. Because I, I bought a B450 gigabyte, I think it was the B450M, from Gigabyte, which is one of their cheapest um, B450 boards that they make. Mm -hmm. And when I kind of like upgraded that system, I put a 2700 in there and the motherboard just couldn't handle it. I've I've never seen that kind of like struggle from a motherboard before because it couldn't give, I think it was more than one volt per core, which, you know, if you know at the voltage. Oh, I've heard about that though happening with some of these. Yeah, so be careful of that because then the max boost frequency that you're going to get is like 3.5, 3.6 gigahertz, and that's you're not you're not getting the most performance out of that CPU at all. In um, if that's the case, so like you were like you were saying, good power supply and be careful of the motherboard that you buy because there are a lot of B450 boards that have really good power delivery, but just get the right one. Yeah, and I've also found that. In terms of what breaks, what will be broken when I order from Amazon is often the RAM doesn't work and I just have to send it back. For some reason, for me, that's always been a thing. The RAM just doesn't work. Uh, Actually, one time I was sent a solid state drive for my current build that I'm still using. I ordered two PNY one terabytes that I was going to put in RAID 0 and uh, they sent me the wrong size. Oh, what did they send you? They sent me a terabyte and then they sent me a 240 gig. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to run this in RAID, so I can't even install Windows now. I have to just sit here and look at my components assembled doing nothing. 
and I just send that back. And usually, though, I find, especially with decent brands like Samsung, Intel, uh, I think PNY and Corsair are pretty reliable usually. Like, the SSD usually works. I've had bad luck with RAM. Um, I've had no bad luck with Corsair power supplies, frankly, ever. Like, mm-hmm. they're always pretty high quality. I find Rosewell power supplies are decent quality, but do not push them past what they say they're rad- rated for. You know, these types of things. But with a motherboard, oftentimes in builds that I see just break, it's the motherboard broke after mm. two years and you got a really cheap one. So that is one, especially because it can use cheap capacitors yeah. or whatever. And I've, I've had motherboards just break and just on the two-year mark. So that's the one thing I would say about the motherboard as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Now, if, you're, if you're getting like an i3, or, or which no one should be buying i3s yeah. anymore, I guess. If you're getting like a 3600, I mean, this is a 65 watt, and you don't, you're not going to overclock it all. I don't know. You could probably get a cheap motherboard, but if you're getting a 2700X or now a 3800X, 3900X, and putting it in a cheap motherboard, it might break that motherboard in a couple years. Yeah. So that's one of the that's one of the kind of parts that I don't think is discussed enough when it comes to the like amazing upgradability of the the AM4 platform because mm-hmm. the thing is like it 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 is great I really love the fact that you know you have all of these options but you have to bear in mind that there is a big difference between a quad core and like a 12 core CPU um mm-hmm. so and and there there is a list there's like a PDF going around on the internet about like which motherboards VRM can support like the various tiers of CPU um, I have it in my Discord. Someone sent it to me. So you can have a look at that and then kind of decide what B450 board to buy. Or Yeah. Again, so I guess there's two ways you can go about it. It's funny. I used to recommend crazy price performance min-maxing and, and PCs. But this was about the time of like 2012. So this was like... I mean, the last-gen consoles have been around for so long that you could make a $200 PC yeah. probably stronger than the PS3. Yeah. So yeah. with with that, and not just stronger, but like twice as strong. But with that mindset, you know, back then I thought it made sense. You know, a 6670 used like 50 watts. I thought that was a mm-hmm. fantastic card, one gigabyte card. I still think it's one of the better budget cards ever made. And you could just get that, I don't know, get a 63, FX 6300 for 100 bucks. Combine those with a decent AM3 plus motherboard. And you could even get a case that comes with a power supply. You don't need a power connector for your thing. Just make sure the reviews don't say this power supply yeah. sucks. Yeah. And then you could just throw that together, get a stick of RAM, and you're, you know, get one stick of RAM later too if you want to upgrade. And you're done. And I don't know that I actually recommend that anymore. These days, PCs have become a bit more expensive. They can do a lot more than they used to. They have more yeah. cores and memory's cheaper but so i don't know that i actually recommend min maxing and like trying to do these i guess they call them now potato masher builds <laughs> that are like crazy cheap and beat consoles cuz look i don't think you're beating a 300 dollar ps4 mm-hmm. pro and p- price performance but what you can do is build something that'll last a while yeah. and just know what's worth spending money on right yeah 
No, definitely. And I think I think if you have to if you have to go super budget, if you really don't have more than like say three hundred dollars to spend on a PC, I think the secondhand market is 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 a much better option. Oh, because yeah. um, I, I wouldn't recommend buying stuff like a power supply secondhand. I think you no. should kind of you should definitely buy that new. But a graphics card, a CPU, things like that, you can get amazing deals. Um, even in like your local Craigslist or whatever, you'd be able to find. I, I'm a big fan. Uh, yeah. fan of Craigslist personally. Yeah, yeah. You can get really good deals on stuff. Um, so I think I, I, I agree with you that if you if un, unless you have no other choice but to spend very little money on a PC, um, yeah, the secondhand market is already is is the best way to go. And I would almost wonder why you have no choice but to spend less money on a PC because it depends what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think the high price is actually a PC. I think usually uh, if you remember how fast last console gen dropped in per, uh, price, like it was like a rock yeah. <laughs> over eight years, and now they're they're still kind of just selling for four hundred dollars. Still, um, I think that's because PC graphics cards are so high. People are still mm-hmm. just buying consoles for the original price. So I don't know. I think I think if I actually did like a bill materials look at the PS4 Pro, and I'm like. Guys, I think this cost them 150 to make or 200 at this point. <laughs> like this is an old. I mean, whatever. But I mean, like if you can get one of those for 300 bucks and you want gaming, I mean, as long depending on if you want the exclusives or not. If you don't, mm-hmm. Xbox One X is technically better price performance. But you know, like that's the type of thing where it's like, well, yeah, that'll do good gaming now. That and and it, they're not as janky as the last gen consoles that were on yeah. eight years running 20 frames a second, <laughs> yeah. barely managing to run 720p. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, maybe just get that and then you get an APU that can do light content creation. Like, mm-hmm. that's why I wonder why you need to do a min-max build like that anymore. In the past, it made sense. You had like $4 Steam sales. You had the consoles were like crazy weak for the time, but at this point, I would say, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why you're min maxing to like a $300 build. Yeah. And if you are, dude, just get an APU and understand you're gaming in 720p, but at <laughs> least your components will last. Yeah, no, that's true. Because um, the thing is, I think, you know, what, uh, what, one of the only reasons that I can think of going for something that inexpensive is that with PC gaming, you have like the entire library of games ever made on PC. Whereas with PS4 and like the consoles, they're usually quite, they're really stringent about like backwards compatibility with games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't like, you can't play PS3 games on a PS4. Like it's, is, no. is, yeah, they, they, that kind of backwards compatibility sh- doesn't exist. There's rumors you will be able to play PS3 games on the PS5. Okay. That they oh, might go for all the way, which would make an instant day one buy for me if I yeah. could finally go back and play all those. If they don't do that, by the way, I'm going to be mad. I'll just throw that out there. Yeah, like, but I mean... come on, I, guys. Yeah. The thing is, I, I don't know if you should hold your breath for that because, uh, like, th- th- that hasn't been a thing ever with consoles. They're They're really... They're really like, no, you will only play PS4 games or only play... Like, they're quite... Well, I'm not holding my breath. That's just my dream. But yeah, there's <laughs> there are rumors and patents that they've gotten an emulation for PS3 working on times 86 hardware at Sony. Awesome. So they could do it. And the argument I make is this, though. Here's why I think they... Well, I look, I know they can. So here's my argument. <laughs> like Right now, there's PS Now, which is technically the most popular streaming service on Earth. Actually, better than GeForce Now and all of the others combined, which is surprising. 
including to me. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't know anyone who uses it, but I guess they're yeah. raking in the money somewhere. And they're actually still using cell processors for PS Now. Like they have these 45 nanometer, which was an originally, I believe, a 90 nanometer technology. Oh, <laughs> and they're still using clusters of cell processors in server rooms to run PS3 games for PlayStation Now. Eventually, they're going to upgrade to Epic. They're not going to keep using 45 nanometer <laughs> cell processors for the next 10 years, but they're going to want you to buy PS now. So there's no way. So I, I just figure it. So in other words, they have to get emulation working eventually. Yeah. And if they get it working for their servers, I'm just going to be mad if they don't give it to <laughs> us. Like that yeah. just doesn't make any sense to me. And mm. what a weird, bizarre situation where we just have these last gen games where, oh, Guess we're not playing them because the yeah. console was too complex. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, like we, we have superior hardware, but you're not allowed to, to play like inferior hardware-based games. I, I also find it really weird. But the thing is that what, what worries me about that, uh, that statement that you just made is that maybe that's going to be a way for them to bait out PS Now subscriptions from people. You go like, okay, so if you want to play the it current gen games... That would be the wrong them. choice, I think. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, think they're going to win a lot of fans with that. Yeah, definitely Maybe not, I'm but. wrong, but I really just don't think people will fall for it. I think they'll say, no, I'll decide to not do streaming. Yeah, no, fair, fair enough. Um, but, you know, companies do weird stuff. You know, they, they really... That's why I'm... Yeah, no, Sony is not immune to doing some of the dumbest decisions I've ever <laughs> yeah. seen, like Vita memory cards. So I'm not <laughs> yeah. saying they won't completely fuck this up. They yeah. could. But I just feel like it'd be so easy. Just imagine them announcing it. and They're like, it's as powerful as a high-end gaming PC. Mm-hmm. For $500, and I know it's expensive, but remember those PS1 games? Remember those PS2 games? Remember those PS3 games? And your PS4 games, they're all up to 4K in emulation. Come by, and they'll drop the mic, and then they win. They win the generation yeah. because everyone will want that. But yeah. you're right. They could come out and say nothing. Yeah, they could just come out <laughs> with a big $600 middle finger. dollars. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also, yeah, I mean, they're certainly not immune to being complete boneheads. It'd be amazing if they were that stupid twice in a row, though. I would yeah. be floored. Yeah. But I, I, I agree with you that if, if they actually allow that, if, if I can play like Shadow of the Colossus, like upscaled to 4K on a PS5, it's pretty much a day one buy for me as well. Yeah. Like it's, it's that would be a pretty big deal. It, yeah. So when I build PCs now, I, I look at it at least, for, and I look, look, we're both YouTubers, so I'm sure this is true for both of us, but we, I look at it much more in terms of content creation, right? Mm-hmm. I couldn't have cared less that my Radeon 7 technically was like 5% worse at gaming or something than a yeah. 2080 and used a little, like really only about 10% more energy, not that much more really, but you know, it's, 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 it's a little weaker, uses a little more energy. It was the fact that I'm like, but this has 16 gigabytes of RAM and can render <laughs> twice as well. Like that's all I'm in for. And that's all I look for kind of in the CPUs as well, because mm-hmm. I've been pretty happy too with my gaming graphics for a while. Yeah. No, and and I, I I agree with you. If if it wasn't for my YouTube channel, I wouldn't have upgraded at any point in the last several years. Because yeah, you know, like the the RX five seventy that we were talking about earlier. I mean, that's based on the four seventy. Which when was that released? Ages ago. And yeah, twenty sixteen. Yeah, and that was a one eighty dollar card. It was a one twenty dollar card at one point because it kept <laughs> going down in price. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's that old graphics card still offers amazing 1080p performance. So unless you are worried about, you know, render times and playback in like editing software and stuff like that, it's, it doesn't 
matter as much like the actual the actual gaming performance from the systems. Yeah, and so when I look at this, um, what I'm starting to reject is the notion of a $500 or $1,000 build. And I before I made this channel and before I even was like a troll on WCCF tech, like in college, I was kind of like a GPU guru on Tom's Hardware. I was one of those kind of moderators that went around and helped people with builds. And I stopped because I just got tired of arguing with people. <laughs> like I, I, I couldn't believe what was going on. And, and I sent you this, the, I think the example that made me just stop caring was I saw someone who's like, I have a $150 budget for a graphics card. First of all, at this point, and I think always, I just reject the premise of having a budget for a graphics card. Mm. Either you want it to do something or you yeah. don't. Yeah. But he says he has a $150 budget, which again, to me is like, so you just have to spend, you just have to, you look at your bank account and you're like, I will remove $150. <laughs> yeah. doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, well, this is $150, sure, $140, but for $30 more or whatever, you can get a 7850 and that's 50% higher performance. We're talking about we're talking about last gen high end tier. Like this is up there with a 6970. Like 7850 is what you should get. Yeah. And then he goes, "No, my budget's 150." And I'm like, "Okay, so $30 must matter a lot to you." The 7770 is like 110 bucks. And guess what? It's 90% of the performance. Mm. And he says, no, my budget's 150. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm glad you came to this forum because you know more than me, apparently. So Yeah, like why are you asking the question yeah. if you're just going to argue with me about it? Because <laughs> like, you know what he wants? He wants people to tell him he's smart and he's mad. Everyone says he's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's what the internet's for is flinging poo. Like that's why, that's why we're, we're all on it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, so this notion, I'm starting to just think, and I think I've always thought this, but I've never articulated it. Like there's no such thing as a $500 build or a $1,000 build. If you can make something 90% as good as that $500 build, save the 50 bucks or yeah. more likely what it really is going to happen is if you were to spend another $100, you could double performance Yeah, like in a game. So like what I think for people building this holiday season, the big spiel I want to go on at this point is just, what are you using it for? Mm -hmm. Build it for that and then decide, does $20 matter to you? Does $100 matter to you? Does $1,000 matter to you? If $1,000 doesn't matter to you, just buy the best components, I guess. Who cares? Yeah. But if $100 matters to you, and let, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example. It's like, let's say you want to play Battlefield Five. Yeah. Okay, I would recommend at least, well, you need, at least need eight threads. That's for sure. You've mm -hmm. needed that since Battlefield 4 online. <laughs> yeah. um, get the 3600 or, or are you going to do 60 hertz gaming for how long? Are you willing to upgrade in the future? Maybe you just get a 2600 for mm -hmm. 120 bucks. It comes with a cooler. Um, you're going to be playing in 1080p, let's say 60 frames. I mean, honestly, dude, uh, just you know, get like a 588 gigabyte and call it a day. Yeah. And then if you say, well, I've got $100 left over and I want to do more, it's like, well, cool, but I would actually keep that 2600 and just go all the way up to like a used Vega 56 mm. or something. And then if you say, well, I still have $100 left over, maybe a 3600 to keep silky, you know, you know, but at that point, it's like, I don't actually think any more money's helping you unless yeah. you're just, unless you wanted to, that, like, because price performance, you know, again, I think the idea is this is your target. 
and then min-max every component. Because yeah. either... Tw- and I think that's an interesting argument I've heard too, which I understand, which people will say, well, but going from a 2070 to a, 20, a 2070 Super to a 2080, you know, another $200 or $300 usually now, uh, usually another $300 if that gets me another 10, 15% performance, my whole build's $2,000. So I'm spending 10% more money for 10% more performance. And it's like, well, then why don't you spend 500 more and get a 2080 Ti? Yeah. Well, I don't want to spend that much. Well, I don't get it then. Did $200 matter to you or not? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I very much agree with that. I, I think the the most important thing for people to look at is is kind of the resolution that they're that they're gaming at. Because most of us are gaming at 60 frames per second 1080p. And even if you have a bigger budget for a PC, if you spend more money, like to game at that resolution, you're you're not going to actually see any benefit from it. So if mm-hmm. you if you are stuck on like oh, but I've got a hundred dollars left to spend more. Well, I mean, like invested in something. Like you yeah. don't, you don't have to spend that money on your PC because you're not going to see any difference. Because you often see people with crazy PCs, like, te- yeah. like 2080s, really hectic, and they're gaming on a 60 frames per second 1080p monitor, and you're just like like 60 hertz 1080p monitor. Like what? <laughs> what's the point? Um, so no, I, I agree with that. You you definitely have to instead of deciding on a budget and then going from there, decide on your use case. That that really makes more sense. And this is something I talked about with Chris too. That I I, I and I'm writing an article for Cortex's website that I really want to emphasize is just like, and I know it's so easy for people to think, okay, now so now he's like humble bragging about his life or something. But it's like no, like so. If I wouldn't have started this YouTube channel in 2016, my original build, I got a Fury non-X, uh, Fury Nitro for like $300. Like a gr- fant- I decided I'd rather I game in 1080p 144, so I don't need the extra video RAM. I'll just get a Fury Nitro, which at the time was like, you know, 20% stronger than a 480 mm. for the same price as a 480. And then I have a 6700K. Here's my 1080p 144 hertz build. I'd probably, I'm still using that same monitor. Right now, I would probably have not upgraded it since then at all. I've slowly mm. morphed into different builds for other uses. You know, I got the Radeon 7 for rendering and all that stuff. And I'll probably get, you know, a high-threaded Zen 2 soon for some, for so that I can, you know, my throughput's a lot better. Because it is starting to bog down when I have like 10 tabs open and I'm rendering and mining yeah. at the same time. Which is, they, it's something I do, but that's my use case. <laughs> yeah. And and that's the thing. The, the the reason that you need more power is because of your specific use case. It's not because you have some money lying around and you don't know what to do with it. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I uh, got off subject. <laughs> but my point was, I didn't really upgrade till 2019 because now I'm starting this YouTube channel. So for 2017, 2018, okay. Like in 2017, I got, in college, I was actually on the rifle team. And so I got into competition shooting in 2017. And then 2018, I got into camping. I got a really nice tent, a really nice hatchet, really good survival gear. And I go into like the woods with my dog and, you know, and go camp around. I didn't get cheaper gear. I didn't get the expensive stuff. There's, if you want to spend a lot on camping, man, they will charge you. <laughs> but uh, like I got some really nice stuff. And you know what? The price I got for all that camping gear that year is less than 12080 Ti. So that's one thing you got to think about is if you're playing the same games, or even if you're playing some of the new ones, going from like 
medium to ultra settings. Can you actually tell the difference? I can in some games, but some, there isn't one. I saw the Outer Worlds. They said between low and ultra. Actually, the difference is almost hard to tell unless you look. (laughs) And so think about that. Are you going to get more enjoyment going from medium to ultra instead of taking that money? And you could literally start a new hobby. I mean, I paid for an entire additional hobby instead of one component for a Mm. PC. Yeah. It's almost as though because of the like, there's been like a slowdown in the improvement of like GPU performance and stuff like that. Even with a 980 or a 980 Ti, you're you're still sorted for, for 1080p gaming. So, I mean, the thing is though, for a lot of people, it is their only hobby. Like I know for my brother. I know. That's why I try to be careful. Like, yeah. You know, when I say, we'll go on a vacation, maybe they don't, I get it. Maybe yeah. some people don't want to, I know. Yeah, it's like the only thing they care about is PC hardware, and that's fine. And in that case, if that's all you're spending your money on, then maybe budget for a monitor um, with the actual PC. So instead of just getting a PC for your 1080p monitor, get like a 1440p monitor mm-hmm. with like a with like a slightly less expensive PC. So because your monitor is something that I feel that people don't often realize how long it lasts. Like you buy, a, like yeah. I mean, how how long have you been using your monitor? Has it been since 2016 or? So it's actually funny. All the way back in like 2014, I had this IPS 76 hertz 3D. <laughs> Asus monitor that was during the 3D era. I actually could play my PS3 games in 3D the one year PlayStation made 3D games. And um, I also could overclock it. So I could overclock it to like 118 hertz. And so, but when I moved, I actually lived in Detroit for a while. When I moved there for an automotive job, uh, my dad dropped my monitor while he was helping me pack. (laughs) So if he wouldn't have dropped my monitor, I would be using the same IPS 76 hertz, you know, monitor since 2014. Now, because of that, well, I got a 144 hertz 1080p monitor in like 20, I don't know, I think it was 20, 2015. So, but I've had the same monitor for four years though. And I plan to keep using it, going to keep using it until they give me OLED for a reasonable price. <laughs> and when I say reasonable, I mean below $5,000 would be nice. Like it's <laughs> ridiculous right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so I, I think, you know, instead of just budgeting for like a PC, maybe include that in the price as well, because that may actually tax the system that you have more. If you're just hell bent on spending all of your money on on on, <laughs> on your gaming PC upgrade, you know, maybe factor that in as well, because then you're going to get more from the system that you're paying so much for. Yeah, and it's, it's unfortunate that HDR, I, I, I frankly think there's just a hegemony going on with the AIB monitor manufacturers. I think monitor prices are completely out of whack. I remember them getting better every year. I remember right in 2016, you could get like an IPS um, FreeSync 4K monitor, 60 hertz for like 300 bucks if it was 24 inch and a really, it was a really good deal. But you could get it for that much. And my friend got one for 350 that was 30, uh, 28 inches. And that's an IPS, you know, <laughs> FreeSync monitor. 4K and he's still using it in 2016. I feel like it's actually getting more expensive now. I've noticed those monitors are now 400, 450, and it's just because people keep buying the same resolutions. And I'm not, I, I really think that's going to change soon too. And this is something I've talked about on my channel a lot my OLED TV. I spent big bucks on it early this year, but I had been waiting like four years. 
I remember when the PlayStation Vita came out, I was like, yeah, OLED. So everything will have OLED soon, right? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> and so it took like four years. And this TV is HDR10, full HDR, 120 hertz, free sync, 4K. And so I'll hook up my PC to it sometimes and play like Sekiro in HDR. And it looks amazing. You know, and I think, unfortunately, HDR hasn't, t- I mean, and now that TV is already $500 cheaper, of course, or something <laughs> yeah. stupid, but those prices are coming down and they will mm. keep coming down. And I know LG sells their uh, TVs for like half off a year after they come out before they mm. bring out the new model. So yeah. that TV, you'll be able to get, I think there's a 50 inch version or something. You'll be able to get that for a thousand bucks soon. That's better than any of these 4K 120 hertz t like <laughs> monitors being sold for 2000. Yeah. And OLED is going to start bringing smaller screen sizes. So once you can get that in a 40 inch size, I think ne- I think next year the big argument's going to start being and it was similar to the beginning of the 360 PS3 gen I feel like where everyone was just buying budget TVs instead of monitors. Yeah. Like, I think that's going to happen again. And that's something to look for. And that will bring down monitor prices. So actually, the one thing I will say is, I guess if you have to spend money, go for it. But you, at this point, you probably just want to get that TV I have and make a big, buy a bigger desk. Like, I don't know what to yeah. tell you. Yeah. And I think those prices are going to come down drastically next year. Mm-hmm. I really do think we're going to start seeing. Uh, like I know LG keeps talking about that too, how they're like, they're going to just bring their OLED TVs to gaming monitors because... Apparently, you can sell them more if you call it a monitor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they recently announced G-Sync compatibility for their OLED TVs. Yep. Yeah, which I just is, got it. That's like, I mean, OLED is spectacular. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I had a, when we were living in Japan, I had an OLED TV and they, it is an evolution. Like it is just It's just better. better. Yeah. That's why um, when people, that bothers me. I don't know what you think about, and, and to be fair, I don't think I've done enough research. But the CRTV thing going on right now in some circles of Reddit, and I'm just yeah. like, um, just wait for OLED, guys. I don't think you want to go back to CRT because LCD's stagnated. Yeah. Which it has. I think LCD has literally stagnated in the gaming space. Yeah. No, it, it, it really has. But I, I agree with you that all of the advantages that people talk about with CRT, like the super yes. low input lag and stuff like that, I mean... OLED, okay, OLED's input lag is quite high on OLED TVs, I think, but the actual pixel response. That's why I got this one, this new model, the 2019 model of LG's OLED TV, and I did a test. It has like one millisecond or less. Oh, like wow. it is instant. And that's because before they, I don't know if it was an oversight, they just didn't put effort into having low response times. And they realized, oh, if we... uh because like, it's it's all that post-processing they do with TVs yeah. to improve the yeah. picture quality. Even with the post-processing, it's three millisecond now. Oh, wow. That's pretty crazy. So remember, again, it looks <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, that's really awesome because I, I had a 2017, I think, generation OLED mm-hmm. like LG TV. And I mean, the response time of the actual, actual pixels is like 0.1 milliseconds yeah. because OLED is like instant. But I think the input lag was like 27 milliseconds, which yeah, was... Yeah, I remember watching reviews of that. Yeah. Which was, so that was only there because, I don't know, there was a complete yeah. oversight. <laughs> and the, the newest models have four 120 hertz. They've HDMI 2.1. So that's the one that can support all the way up to 10K, 240 hertz in the future. Of course, my graphics card doesn't have (laughs) HDMI 2.1, so I play it in 1440p. But but that's something to point out too with this nicer monitor. It's like, well, I mean, the HDR 
and all of that post-processing, even at three milliseconds, looks pretty good. And I didn't have to buy a new graphics card. My existing yeah. one just looks better. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it is it is because the actual quality of the image that you see, like the monitor has a lot to do with it. So mm-hmm. if you, you know, you, you might be able to crank the settings more with a better graphics card, but better monitor, like the colors and stuff, the part, like it, it, it actually makes a huge difference. Yeah, and um, I think people also overlook if we're, again, if we're still on the subject of like, what else can you blow money on? <laughs> uh, when I was in college for, I spoiled myself at the end of one semester and I bought these like really nice, I don't know what, I think it's called Yumi um, stereo, like big, big stereo speakers. And I still have them. I actually put them on their sides so they can fit on my desk. And I've got these two big red, like glossy speakers here that are like super high quality. And it's like that for me makes an insanely big difference as well. I see all the time too these overpowered gaming builds on a 1080p monitor, but then they also just have these two little tweeter speakers that they're uh-huh. using. And it's like, dude, for me, like, I mean, especially like one of the oldest games where I really thought of it, this was like Half-Life 2, when you get off the train and then that music starts playing, that techno music while you're running away with a pistol from the guards. Yeah. Like the music made that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, like if you're missing out on the music, I don't know what you're... Like there's, again, there's so much... You don't have... And that's when I say, well, I've got this budget. Well, you don't have to spend your money on this PC. Yeah. No, definitely. Because like those those plastic Logitech speakers that people buy, <laughs> those things are just, you know, you 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 shouldn't buy like computer speakers because most of them are kind of savvy to the fact that they care about like, you know, you, the tower is the important thing, but like the mm-hmm. speakers, you just kind of want sound to come out of them. But they make such a big difference if you have proper speakers. Even headphones, like it's just yeah. all of all of that plays just a bigger part um, as the actual gaming tower that you have. Well, yeah, and like there are some games where they actually put in an insane amount of effort into the sound mm-hmm. design. Like again, bringing it up, Battlefield oh, is one of those so games good. where the sound. Ever since Bad Company, the sound mm-hmm. has been hilariously better yeah. than other games. Like when I play Call of Duty, it's they're better now. <laughs> Call of yeah. Duty's better about it now. But I remember like during Battlefield Three era, turning on a Call of Duty game with a friend and being like, "This sounds like an airsoft gun is shooting." Like, yeah. what is this? Yeah. Like, and then you just go and it just like you can just hear the like ferocious roar of a gun in like mm. Battlefield 4 or 5 and yeah, I mean, having the speakers to hear it is a big deal. So, I guess I'm trying to wrap I don't know. I think we've hit most of the points. Uh, Benjamin's writes in from Reader Mail and asks, "How much RGB can I fit in it?" That's the only thing that matters. <laughs> yeah. Like, where do you where do you cuz RGB is almost it's not new, but it kind of feels like a new thing the past 3 years. Yeah. Um I I've made a video where I complained viciously about RGB because the thing is like I know that there's kind of like two camps one person wants like a completely blacked out build that has no lighting in it and then somebody wants like rainbow vomit unicorn excremental RGB you know it seems as though there's no middle ground but the thing is I I don't feel like I fall in the like blacked out camp because Mm -hmm. I I like the idea of RGB but the problem with Mm -hmm. it is the implementation the fact that they have each company has this ridiculous yeah. e- like RGB ecosystem that isn't compatible with anybody else's mm-hmm. stuff. And all of it costs an insane amount of money. Like the iCommander thing from Corsair, that's like 
The, the only thing that that does is interface with your motherboard so that you can software control your RGB in your system. <laughs> that thing is like $70, $80. And then you have all of the extra cables of stuff that you have to fit. Yeah. I absolutely hate building RGB builds because it's just, it's just infinitely more complicated and so much more expensive. It, and I don't think it looks good. And I don't know if you've seen, there's a Gamers Nexus video where I was like, because it's also about case design too that I'm mm. tired of seeing. I'm tired of seeing these cases with these, you know, like a pink 2080 Ti with RGB and all this stuff. Neon pink's a really big thing in builds now, it seems. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they have like one intake fan. Yeah. And they're like wondering why their expensive build is overheating. And, and then you look at some of these builds. So like I have a Cerebris uh, micro ATX case on the bottom, just all vents, two giant 140 millimeter fans, and then at the top, two giant 140, and it's just straight air up through it, and there's an intake and an outtake. But I've seen some cases where I'm like, where's the fans on this case? Yeah. And it's just, Gamers Nexus did a video where he made fun of it, I don't know if you saw it, where he yeah. actually just like duct taped a bunch of lights onto a <laughs> box with glass on the side. He's like, there's no fans, but you've got RGB, so that's good. Uh, and it's going to overheat instantly, but we know you're going to be putting a 1050 Ti in here, so who cares, right? Yeah, it really doesn't matter. I mean, I think it was I, th I think it was Team Group that released that RGB SSD that would overheat because of the like the RGB lights and stuff on it, and it's like it's an SSD. Why does it need I to know. shine up? And I, I see that too. Like people, like there's like screw holes now in some cases to like display your SATA <laughs> SSD. And I'm like, first of all, those aren't that impressive anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my PS4 has a SSD in it, guys. I just bought a $80 SSD and threw it in there. It's not, they're not <laughs> expensive anymore. I don't think yeah. this is something you brag about. Yeah, no, I think you should cut a hole in the top of your PS4 so that people can see the SSD in there because it's, yeah. <laughs> it's so important. <laughs> well, like on that subject though, I thought that was... So funny as well, like the original launch PS4, I was actually very impressed by the design of the case because they actually made it very small for its performance. It did a very good job of having this like cooling channel that snakes up through the case, takes in air, takes it out, and it was powerful. And then the Xbox One, it's just a giant box with a huge fan on it. And I'm like, this takes up twice the room. It's half the performance. This is what's going on with PC cases right now. Just these giant oversized cases. Maybe there's a fan on it. <laughs> and, and so that's one thing. And for me, I think it's actually very fun to design the cooling performance and like think about mm. where I'm going to put the fans and like min-max it. Because, I mean, you can make some of your smaller, smaller ITX builds actually have substantially better cooling than a lot of these bigger builds. Actually, a lot of these bigger cases are horrible at cooling because it's you need so much airflow to cool something that big. And it just annoys me. I've always, that's why I like the small form factor builds as well. As, again, I, I feel like there's something elegant about putting only as much performance as you can into as small space. When I see these giant cases with a 2060. Yeah. Just like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Do you, how, how do you feel about Optimum Tech's, um, like his channel? Because he does the most beautiful ITX builds. That's pretty much like the premise of his channel is, is building um, like small form factor gaming PCs. And he does a lot of testing with all of the various configurations. And he, like even like 2080 Ti's in like a, like a low- I'm looking at his channel right now. Yeah, I see, and I oh wow, yeah, he really tries to make them small. Yeah. yeah, I love I love that type of stuff. I've probably watched a few of his videos actually. Now that I look at his channel, 
he recently built an open loop custom loop in mm-hmm. like a tiny tiny it's like an eight or a nine liter case. And it's just it's it's really interesting to see how much you can cram into a really tiny space. So I agree with you. ITX is amazing. Like it's it's a really cool form factor because it it, it requires more more creativity as well. Because like with an which ATX is what you case, really want, right? You're building yeah. your own PC mm. instead of putting all of this effort. This is how I think into all of these bright lights and all of this stuff. Like you can make this an engineering problem you got to solve for. You're like, and that's what I did. I had a Node 202 before I moved to this case that's a little bigger so I can fit a 16 core now, which I guess mm. I probably still could have fitted in there. But like I had a Fury Nitro and a 6700K SSD RAID and a, and a 600 watt power supply. So it could really power all of that overclocked. In a case, you know, the viewers can't see it, but I'm like, <laughs> you know, like something uh, a little big, like about a little bigger than a PS4 Pro. It was small mm. enough, and I measured it out so my backpack could fit the desktop in it. And then I got a portable monitor, and then that's it. And I can just throw it in the backpack. And even if I flew somewhere, like, I mean, that makes fun of the entire idea of these desktop replacement mm. laptops that you can literally now build desktops that small. And so if you want to create a problem for yourself, instead of throwing a bunch of lights, consider making, it's almost Christmas time, make a desktop mm. you can bring home like a console. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I, I've done a build in the Node 202 and it's a really fun case to build in. It's just, it's it's so different to building a normal system that it it it, it really is an exciting project. Um, yeah, no, I would definitely recommend that. That's I awesome. even bought these um, 40 millimeter fans, these tiny oh, little yeah. square fans, and then the top <laughs> vents on it, I glued and zip tied them across the entire top vent and then had a, a tiny fan controller. So I had all the airflow pulling it all out the top too. And then where the graphics card goes in, I just took a power drill and drilled a pattern Oh, <laughs> on the other side. And then there's just two giant 120 millimeter. So for those who want to picture what I'm talking about, look, look up the Node 202 case where the graphics card goes. There's really no vents for it. There's intake vents for the graphics card, but then they just expect you to exhaust it out the back. Mm-hmm. What I did was I said, why? And I just drilled holes behind the graph. Obviously, I took the graphics card out. And I <laughs> yeah. drilled holes behind it. And then I just had, that's it. Two giant intake fans just pulling the air directly past the graphics card out the side of the case. Yo, that's really cool. It's it's and so yeah. the cooling wasn't any worse, frankly. I mean, it was basically an open air case. Yeah, and that nitro is like a hot big card. Like the it barely fit in. I had to like I, I can send you a picture at some point. Like it literally just like <laughs> if you looked inside the node two hundred two, it was nothing. There was just wires and everything organized there was like not a square inch free (laughs) yeah i'd love to see the picture of that because like i'm picturing the nitro now and like picturing the Mm. node 202 (laughs) so i actually had to bend flex the metal on the case to fit it in and then flex it back into place and then screw it closed (laughs) that's so cool So yeah, I mean, that's the amount of min-maxing I like to go into. And I'm going to do the same if I get a 3950X. It's a micro ATX case, but it's the smallest one on the market. I think it's the Cerberus Slinger or something. And so that'll have a whole 280 millimeter, like five SSDs, uh, Radeon 7, tons of RAM. And this thing is uh, only slightly bigger than a console. That's what I look for, for fun. Like, Like, I think that's what it comes down to too, is PC building now is a lot easier than mm. it used to be. Yeah. So if you want to create a problem for yourself, which I certainly always do, yeah. just try to see <laughs> how small you can make this thing. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Um, because the thing is, like, I think that because a lot of people that have been involved with with building PCs, they, they, you know, they're, they're all kind of like older, like our age, where they've been doing it for a while. So it is it is a great way to like be more creative about the project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's always other things you can like do to to make it more complicated. It's just mm-hmm. I just don't. Yeah, I don't know. Where do you, what do you think about custom liquid cooling? Because it's cool. And it definitely has a use, like for instance, for these small cases I'm looking at here in Optimum Tech, you literally need to do custom liquid cooling on some of those cases because they don't make all-in-one liquid coolers that are the right size for his case. Yeah. Like, How much do you think it is in terms of, because I basically, I think if you're buying a budget build now, just use the stock Ryzen cooler. It works Mm. fine. This is not an Intel cooler. (laughs) And especially if you're not going to overclock. And otherwise, if you need to buy one, I see... I think you. I think there's no point in aftermarket air coolers anymore when we have fifty dollar all in one coolers. I don't know what you think about that. The thing is, I I quite like the simplicity of of an air cooler. Like, but both mm-hmm. of the systems that I have on my desk here have have like uh, tower coolers in them, because mm-hmm. the thing is, what I've noticed with the AIOs is that you. Like it's got the same amount of wires and stuff that has to go off it because you know with a lot of them you have to plug like the 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 fan mm-hmm. controller and everything into it. It becomes quite messy, and I feel that you can kind of build a neater build with like a, a standard air cooler, but it's it's purely down to preference because the AIOs mm-hmm. obviously perform better. But I I love custom loop liquid cooling. Um, mm-hmm. I've I've been my main PC for the last two years. Have uh, like I've had various configurations of custom loop liquid cooled systems in there, and it is that thing of the performance isn't that much better. Like the cooling performance is better, and it depends on how much. It depends, know. right? Because the cheaper ones actually aren't that much better. Yeah. But I I think they're actually smaller. Well, that's so. Here's what it comes down to, right? If you don't need that much cooling, the air ones are simpler uh, and a little cheaper. But to get, and there are some air coolers that are better than some liquid coolers. Mm. But those air coolers are huge. (laughs) They are enormous and they require insane mounting pressure from both sides to actually make them out compete in all in one liquid cooler, is what I found. Yeah. No, no, no. And I I agree with you that, like, with all in one liquid coolers, you definitely get better performance. But yeah, I I don't overclock crazily. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. with my systems, I usually, especially with like Ryzen, Ryzen doesn't have really high temperature, like headroom for massive overclocks. Like, you know, it's that kind of thing where, like, if you just leave it to its normal boost, like, boost thing, it it just handles it so well that you don't really. And it's really good at boosting, too. I think that's something that's overlooked is Mm -hmm. that I know only one of the cores. I guess they just updated it again, but I know only one of the cores on the 3900X is hitting 4.6. And then, and I've actually, Tech Power Up did actually a pretty good article where they like show you at mass boost what's going on. One of the cores, and it was the most efficient core in the CPU, was boosting to 4.6, 5 actually. And then the next three cores were boosting to 4.5. And then the rest of the cores were like 4.2. But the thing is, it's actually very good at scheduling the most important thread from a game to the strongest core. Mm -hmm. And so if it's doing that, I don't know that it actually matters all cores aren't boosting that high. The only reason we always used to overclock our i7s all core to 5 gigahertz is because games were terrible at scheduling them to the right core. And if Ryzen can do it on its own, maybe we only need one core running at 4.7 gigahertz. Yeah, so that's kind of what I feel that like 
the 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 like extreme cooling solution and mm. like really crazy all core overclock. I I'm not I, sure I, I it's know. useful anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't really. That's why I'm happy with like a Hyper Two Twelve Evo Black Edition on a CPU because it. Yeah, I, I don't really need more than that. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it especially with like custom loop liquid cooling systems, you really are creating a problem for yourself to solve, and that's the really awesome part about it. Um, yeah, so if that's what you're into, then definitely go for but it. But that's what I would say it's for is mm. when you see these epic builds with custom liquid cooling, the custom liquid cooling isn't really giving them more performance anymore, no. like at all. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it, it's really just there for fun. And if you do crazy overclocking, but with, I mean, even with Intel builds, I remember in my Node 202, I had to use a super low profile uh, 92 millimeter uh, air cooler. And yeah, I had to run it at 4.2 gigahertz instead of 4.7. Mm. That wasn't even a 10% performance drop though. I was getting all four cores. You know, it's it's like 5%, 10% at most. Yeah. And yeah. The, and for me, that was worth cutting the case down to one third its size. Mm. No, definitely. <laughs> so yeah. I, I'm not, so that's the one thing I would say is there definitely used to be an argument for these powerful liquid coolers. Yeah. And for now, it's kind of either... So for some cases, I think liquid coolers give you more space mm. um, just because you can move the you know the heat sink to a different portion of the case. Yeah. But I'm not sure there's a really a practical use anymore. Yeah. Well, the, th- the, the thing is, though, uh, with the 3950X, I think AMD's recommending like the as a minimum. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that, that because that's a lot of like, that's a lot of transistor density on like a really, like I think it's going to be, you know, in, in, in that case, it's going to start becoming more. It's a necessity though. It's yeah. not like for overclocking. It's like, yeah. no, if you want this to, and it, it probably will have slightly better chiplet quality. So it's like, no, this will boost all of its cores above four gigahertz if you wanted to. But keep in mind, the Threadrippers used to use 180, 200 watts doing that. This will use like 150 or more, and it actually might have the headroom to get to over 200 watts. It's 16 cores, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm really excited for that. I'm actually, I'm thinking of getting a 3950X just to justify my custom loop to myself. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's like... <laughs> to be honest, that's <laughs> I, I upgraded from a Node 202 to another small case, but just big enough to fit like a Threadripper or something if I had to. And I'm not going to get Threadripper because it's too expensive in my opinion. And mm. I would never use 24 cores. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> but 16 cores I could use. So I agree. There's a certain amount of it where I feel like I'm getting the 3950X to justify my case. <laughs> and like all of my cooling. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I, I do, con- I edit video in right. 4K. So, so it like, will be useful. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I, I think it's going to be a really, I, I think it's going to be one of those legendary CPUs because it is just, yeah, it's it's such a big step up. Yeah, it's going to be like the i7-920 mm-hmm. or something where, well, people still have i7-920s yeah. with <laughs> triple channel memory and it still works fine. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's 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 pretty exciting. But yeah, I'd say all of these overpowered CPUs and liquid cooling, not for budget builds, but they can certainly be fun and they're they do have their use. It's just again, I think that's kind of the the moral of this episode is just make sure you actually have a use for that because you can get a six core now and you can upgrade probably to a 16 core Zen 3 late next year, and that will be better. Mm. <laughs> so why spend the money now if you don't need to? And if eventually you need it, well, then you can spend the money. Yeah, 
No, I, I definitely agree with that because you know the thing is with like the the and and, and we you you sent that in the notes. We I mean we had a brief discussion about the the real value for money is kind of in the in the um like zen plus architecture at the moment because you yeah. can get really really amazing cpu performance for like just over $100 now and if you're only into gaming like that's that's all you really need you don't need to spend a huge amount on on like crazy hardware anymore because it's you know the budget segment is pretty pretty powerful at the moment yeah and that's something i keep Hammering, I think some people might think I'm annoying about it. They're just like, well, the 3600 <laughs> is price performance we've never seen before. And I'm like, well, it's worse than the 1600. Yeah. They're like, yeah, but it's better at gaming. I'm like, well, you didn't say gaming performance. You said price performance. And the <laughs> R5 1600 is $80 at Micro Center. Yeah. And guess what, guys? It <laughs> It's going to run 60 hertz fine. Yeah. Right? And that is six cores. It will... Next-gen consoles don't even come out for a year, and it'll probably keep up for a while just fine at 60 hertz game. And I, if you actually care about $100, and that's, yeah, and that's why I think a lot of people were impressed by the 3600. But for me, I was like, well, it's stronger just like everything else. Yeah. You know, it's like if, if, you need, if you want the 3600 over the 1600, I would almost wonder like why you don't want... I don't know. I guess that's maybe where I would stop if you're really, really just looking for min-maxing price performance for gaming. But at that point, you have to think, well, the difference is also you could go to a 3700X and then have eight mm. cores. Yeah, yeah. And then if, if you're worried about future-proofing, you know, because that's one of the, the arguments that people always bring for spending a bit more on PC components. It's like, oh yeah, but I wanted to perform well on games in like two years or three years. Um, so like going from a 1600 to a 3600, in for the sake of future proofing, I don't think makes that much sense. It's not because, really that much there. Yeah, it's yeah. still six core. Yeah. So then going for something like a thirty seven hundred X, or if you don't have that budget, if you like you said a hundred dollars is that important to you, get a twenty seven hundred instead, because yeah. then you're still getting the eight cores as opposed to the six cores, which helps for the future proofing thing that you that, that you want. And it's cheaper. Yeah, right? and it's it cheaper. is cheaper. Yeah. Like that's why I kind of really like Zen Plus eight cores or mm. Zen One six cores. I think yeah. either you want to go all the way down the bottom, or if you're future proofing or you're doing content creation, the twenty seven hundred X I believe is under two hundred now. I'm by Black Friday that thing's going to be like one fifty. Yeah, and that's going to be. I mean, again, just <laughs> thinking about eight core. I was considering a four fifty dollars six core. Yeah. Three years ago, and now yeah. we're talking about, well, don't get the 2700X. That eight core uh, at 4.4 gigahertz is really only worth it at 150. Like, I just feel like we're <laughs> yeah. completely spoiled compared to what I was yeah. used to. Yeah, definitely. And the thing is, like, I think, you know, your budget is better allocated for a graphics card if all you care about is gaming. Absolutely. So, like, you know, a system where you, instead of spending $100 to go from a 1600 to a 3600, going, spending that extra $100 going yeah. from an RX 570 to a 5700, like, that's, I mean, I, I don't think, I think it's more than $100 more. But anyway. Well, I mean, at Micro Center right now, the 1600 is 80 bucks. So, $80... <laughs> For a 12-thread CPU. <laughs> yeah. Ah, I mean, a $120 difference. Yeah, it's not quite a 5700 but it almost is. Yeah. Like you, yeah. you could definitely stretch it that extra 20 bucks. And now, uh, there you go. There you go. 1440p ultra 60 hertz gaming or even 4K high settings. Like yeah. you're done. And you're done for a while now. Yeah. No, definitely. Even like Vega 56 is a great deal. Like if you don't want to oh, do yeah. that big jump. That's from... what I actually recommend is like a mm -hmm. used Vega 56. 
Yeah, yeah. Unless it's the gigabyte ver version. I used the gigabyte version of it in a video and everyone flamed me for it because their one died. <laughs> so apparently gigabytes one sucks, according to the internet. Well, yeah. I mean, I usually look for like Sapphire if it's AMD. Mm. Um, and I've had decent luck with MSI. MSI is good, but they definitely skimp a little bit, but I've never had any of them break. Yeah. Um, and Power Color is really good price performance, but Every now and then, and I and again, I have mining rigs. Just every now and then, I'll get a DOA power mm. color. But my power okay. colors that aren't dead on arrival, they last just as long as the others. I don't know what that is. Some quality control thing, I'm sure. And yeah, I will say the gigabyte cards I've owned. Look, if it's a reference card, they're all the same cooler. Yeah. So who cares? Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> they're aftermarket cheaper cards. Those the plastic feels really cheap on them. <laughs> yeah, I like, know they really do, they do. cheap. <laughs> Yeah. But the thing is, like, it, you know, in, in the US, it's easy to say, you know, buy this version of a card or that version of a card because, oh, you know, sure. all, all, all of them are available. But, like, in South Africa, when I was looking for, for PC hardware when I was younger, you, you're, you only really had the reference cards as, as an option. Like, all of these mm -hmm. awesome, like, aftermarket coolers, you just couldn't get there. Um, so that's one of the reasons, like the reason that I got that gigabyte card specifically was because in Canada, that was the one that was available at a price that made sense, mm -hmm. you know? So that's something that, you know, you, you have to take into account with, especially something like a Vega 56, because it's like an older GPU where like stocks are kind of fluctuating, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of go for one that you, you can. know, and I've never had a problem with reference cards except for the 290X, which was loud and i uh, of all my mining rigs uh, there was a certain point where all of the modern cards were sold out so i was starting to buy 290x's for mining again okay. recently <laughs> and uh that was the first time i tried a reference 290x cooler uh, last okay. year yeah it's loud it's uh <laughs> it's really loud that is my limit i will admit it like i always think it's overblown i thought the reference 7970 was fine was yeah. fine. I thought the uh, the 480, obviously the Arc, the GTX 480. Oh, that's was. infamous. Yeah. <laughs> but and so I, I hear that's a bit worse than the 290X, which I can't honestly imagine. <laughs> I, I thought the Vega noise thing was way blown out of proportion. I mean, especially because the fan really, in my opinion, only got loud if you turned up the fan. But yeah. at stock settings, it stayed below 50. So I never had an issue. I know some people care about noise a lot more, though, yeah. personally. But I've just never cared that much. Yeah, I guess so. that's one thing I'll say. And one thing I've found about reference cards, and this is just general advice, is they always overclock better for me. Always. Mm. Every yeah. reference card I've ever owned overclocks better. It yeah. might have a louder fan that you're going to have to crank mm. up to overclock it. But if you actually want those higher clocks, Every dude, like to a card, every yeah. card, all of my Vegas, every reference one overclocks better. All the 7950s, all of my reference 7950s could hit 1830, could hit 1800 megahertz memory. Every single one, it's a 50% RAM overclock. None of the aftermarket ones could. My brother had one that only went to, four, you know, only went to <laughs> 1400, which is still like a 30% overclock, but. Yeah, and I mean, I think the the same goes for the the fifty seven hundred XT because Gamers Nexus did a did a like breakdown of the actual PCB, and it's amazing. Like the VRM, all yeah. of that, it's it's really good. I would say I have a fifty seven hundred XT with the reference cooler on. It's pretty loud. That thing is. Yeah. It's, it's it's pretty pretty loud. Yeah, I've reviewed the fifty seven hundred, and that was fine. But of mm -hmm. course, that uses a lot less energy than the fifty seven hundred XT. Yeah, I, I actually had it. The reason that I didn't wait for an Addenboard cartner with that one is because I, I liquid cooled it. 
but my mm-hmm. liquid cooled loop is down at the moment. And then when I put the stock cooler back on it, I was like, whoa, this is, it is actually pretty, pretty. Now, is it louder than Vega though? Um, I've, I have no experience with the, uh, with reference the Vegas. reference. Yeah. I, I've, I've okay. never owned a reference Vega. My, my other experience with a reference AMD card was, um, like way back in the day, I had an X1900 XTX. That thing was like a jet on takeoff. That's the, that's the, yeah, dude, the older graphics cards though. Mm. I feel like it wasn't even the decibel level. They it was like a high pitch noise, yeah. right? All yeah. of those. Oh, what was going on with older? <laughs> like they, it just yeah. like took them all the way until, frankly, until like the GTX 500 series for them to understand. Like guys, stop putting these vacuum pipe cleaner. <laughs> and and there weren't even good coolers. That's yeah. the funny thing is they were just yeah. these tiny. They took up half of the size of the car and they turned. <laughs> and it's just this terrible noise. Yeah. No, I. Yeah, the older reference coolers, some of them were just, but they weren't used to loud cards back then. Back then, every mm. card used one six pin. So yeah, no, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I think, um, what, what, like, I think quite a good bet is like AI, like AIB cards that use the reference PCB. So they have yes. like they yeah. just put a they just put a better cooler on it, and then they still because I I think you'd get kind of like similar to reference performance. From that kind of thing. That's definitely the stages I've noticed with card releases is you get the reference card and at least with AMD, the cooler's usually cheap. They're getting better at it. Mm. It's not as bad as it used to be, but it could be better. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm again, I'm really surprised after the reference RTX cards both had dual fans. Yeah. AMD didn't do that. Such a bizarre choice, especially after the Radeon 7 had a triple fan that works fine. Yeah. And it's like, so why did you go back to, but whatever. Then you get the AIBs, and they usually rush them out quickly on a reference board. And those mm. are the best overclockers, which was my 7970. It had a dual Sapphire. It was a dual X. And so it had that fan on a reference board. And then a year later, that's when I think the price cutting comes. And what they do is they min-max the PCB design oh, to yeah. be as cheap to make as possible. They min-max the RAM orders to be the lowest they need to be to meet the requirements. Yeah. But then they give it a 10% overclock or well, mm-hmm. not even like a 3% overclock. And then they put a much better cooler and that's yeah. where the real money's made. About six months after the card comes out, min-maxing the PCB, but technically it's stock. It outperforms a reference card and yeah. that's where they make their money. Yeah, and you can put OC on the box and then you can charge more for it. You know, that's... Yep, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's the most important part is oh, that yeah, OC I had someone <laughs> point out that there's the... 27, there's the EVGA 2070 super, super overclock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like the naming scheme is is becoming pretty hilarious with those cards. Like it's, <laughs> it's just so stupid. Like you said, why couldn't it just be the next gen GPUs? Why couldn't they just write off the Turing release? And, but I mean, it seems like the rumors at the moment are stating to that happening early next year, right? Is that kind of the general I don't think so. No, moment? I think what we have is what they're going to be selling till mid to late next year. Oh, really? Okay. I think that's what I think. This is it. Now, we'll see. But I remember Navi had rumors, and not just rumors, but like people found Navi referenced Mm. in the drivers of Linux six months before it came out. It's nothing. No rumors about this uh, next-gen NVIDIA series. And and again, that's why I'm really surprised they didn't just call it the 3000 series because they were going to... At the very least, I don't think it's coming early next year. So, I don't know. I, I think uh, I think they underestimated Navi. They thought they could just launch a couple of supercards. 
I think what really happened is they saw Navi, they saw the leak, the slides, and the slides said 10% better than the 2070, then like 13% better than the 2060 for the 5700. And they thought AMD always is off by five to 10%. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you remember the leak of the Fury. They were like using like times four AF settings and like zero MSAA for the Fury specs when they did those <laughs> early launch things saying it beat the Titan. And so I think NVIDIA assumed it's really going to be 10% weaker than this. It's really going to trade blows with the 2070, but it doesn't have RTX, so we don't need to do anything. Mm-hmm. And the 5700 is probably going to be a little stronger than the uh, 2060, but who cares? Yeah. And then it came out and it's like, oh no, it is literally at least 10% (laughs) better than the 2070. Like AMD's done with this BS where they like hype up performance more than it really is. And I think it's caught off NVIDIA off guard. And I think they underestimated how much will they burned launching at those prices. And so now I think they're just stuck with calling everything a super and it's all confusing. I guess they're launching the 2070 non-super again just to, and they're kind of pulling back stock of the 2060 Super because the 2060 Super just isn't selling. Yeah. So they're going to launch the 2070 and lower its price, I think, is what's going on. Okay. Yeah, that's really, because basically the only thing they did with the Super launch was really, really irritate people who bought the non-Super cards. Because it's like, why didn't you just release the Super cards to start with? Why did we all go out and buy your non-Super cards and then you immediately just do this? You know, it's... I remember the leak Adored had a RTX leak in late 2018 or like I think end of summer 2018. And I remember he was going through the specs. The original 2070 specs were like seven gigabyte. They were considering removing a gigabyte on the 2070. And the 2080, the specs were exactly what ended up coming out, the 2944 cuticores. And he said, that doesn't make sense. That's a weird die configuration for... Uh, and then he goes, oh, I get it, NVIDIA. You're going to launch the 104 die cut down for $700. <laughs> yeah. Like this yeah. is, oh, <laughs> oh, NVIDIA. Yeah, We're not like- surprised. You, first, you started giving us 104s as the 80. Now you're giving us cut down 104s as the 80, which now it's the full one. So there yeah. you go. But that is what it should have been at launch. Yeah, no, it really, it really should have been. And even, even then, it, people still would have been salty about the launch. I think if they 2080 Ti was the 2080, it would have been amazing. It would have just been revolutionary. Even if it was nine hundred dollars, yeah, everyone yeah. would have liked it. And I remember talking to my friends before it came out and just being like, "I really think they're going to jack up that price." And I really thought what they were going to do is charge seven fifty or something for the 2080. And then 900, I thought they would just put it barely below the Titan pricing. And yeah. I thought, and instead, no, no. <laughs> yeah, my friend said he watched it during lunch with his friends and like they were talking about it. And then the prices came out live while they were watching it. And he was, he said his friend's jaw literally dropped. Like he <laughs> is just like, they're charging 900 for the 2080. <laughs> and it's not, or was it 800? I think it was 799. Yeah. And it's not even better than the 1080. <laughs> or if it is, it has less RAM. I mean, like, and just seeing that in like 600 for the 2070, I was just like laughing. Yeah. I was just like, well, competition's done. <laughs> I remember in 2017 telling my friends, I don't think Vega is going to be that great, but I think this is the last $500 card you're going to get for reasonable prices for years. Yeah. 
Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. Such a, it's so sad that that prediction is true because it's just... Yeah. We re- I'm really interested to see what Intel's going to do, actually. I mean, I, I don't know if, if anybody still cares about that happening, but... So I did a giant video. I have a, a couple sources at AIB manufacturers and then someone... Well, I won't say who he is, but let's, let's just say he... Decent connections at Intel that aren't marketing people. These are actual engineers. Okay. And what they're working on is next year's going to be nothing. <laughs> oh, Comet Lake's coming out. So here we go, guys. Two more Skylake cores again. They're going to have 10 cores, Comet Lake. Um, and it will be more efficient. It will have 10 cores and it will not be better than the 3900X. I think that's what's coming. It's actually been delayed due to power delivery issues. So that's actually probably not even coming until mid next year. So I guess that's it. So whatever's out now is basically it. How about GPUs? Because I think I, I thought oh, the 2020... that's what you're yeah. yeah. And then in that leak, I go over Golden Cove and I actually think Intel's got some really cool CPU architectures coming in late 2021. Okay. But Intel then, it's... It's going to be a no man's land, I think. So yeah, uh, yeah. for graphics cards, I don't know. I've heard they're going to use HBM and they insist it's 10 nanometer. They insist okay. they're making the graphics cards on 10 nanometer and I will believe it when I see it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. if that's the case, I mean, especially with how high 14 nanometer clocks, I'm just blown away. They're not, I'll have to see it to believe it. But if that's true, I really think it's going to be mobile and professional market HBM oh, okay. focused. I, I really okay. don't think Intel's coming in as the white knight, which is if that's what you're wondering. <laughs> and I think everyone's hoping that, that they'll come yeah. in and lower prices. And I hope so. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but but even not not necessarily just white, you know, white knight coming in, like doing what AMD did CPU-wise, but like just a third competitor, you know, that's <laughs> like if anything, yeah. like more of a reason for like NVIDIA and AMD to like you know, draw prices. Well, I mean, more NVIDIA, but to, to draw prices on stuff, you know, that... It, sh- it can only help, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be, again, I think if you look at their architectures, they're going to be very mobile-focused for laptops. And I think they're going to have some really cool Vega competitor-like stuff for professional with HBM. I'm not convinced there's anything for consumers, but I'll be honest, guys. I don't have any source about what it is. I don't know what it is. I'm completely guessing. I think that eventually they will have some awesome consumer cards, but I'm not so sure it's happening next year, unfortunately. Okay. Okay. But what I do know is that Jingjia is a Chinese company working on these silly cards right now. Supposedly, they're going to launch a 600 millimeter squared, like 28 nanometer card, but then they're going to use HBM, but HBM one. And they make graphics cards for the Chinese military, but they said their next card will actually be as strong as a 1080. And this is a way behind technologically company. But 28 nanometers ultra mature. Like it costs nothing. And they can make gigantic dyes with great yields. So they they might just do that and then slam HBM1 on it. (laughs) (laughs) And then that should make up for the efficiency a little bit. Because HBM1 is still far more efficient than GDR6. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know when that stuff, if that's ever coming to consumers, but the rumors are they'll, not rumors, but if they're comparing it to a 1080, I have to go. That's weird. That's interesting. And I also know that ARM is supposedly working on graphics cards for PC. Okay. And do you think that's going to be consumer-based or? I mean, it's ARM, right? So I have to assume laptops again at first. But here's the thing is it's like, I wouldn't hold out my breath that Intel or anyone's really going to save the GPU market next year. Mm -hmm. 
But <laughs> I think by 2022, we could have five competitors. That would be really interesting. You know, that, that should shake things up a bit because this like duopoly that we have at the moment is a bit... Mm. Yeah, and AMD's done carrying, so they're just, you know, <laughs> hey, if NVIDIA is going to charge more, why don't we? And I, I think that there's rumors of a couple others entering the space as well. And this isn't actually rocket science. People can design their own mm. graphics cards. Like, uh, this is something I've talked about with my brother a lot, is I really, really, really think that eventually there will just be GPU startups. I mean, look at the margins on some of these cards. I, I really think the 2080 Ti costs about $400 to make. They're making a killing. They're making a killing. I mean, and, and you can do this math yourself. There's silicon calculators online. And uh, a gigabyte of GDR6 is $5. $5 for a gigabyte. And that's me buying it. Yeah. And I don't know why. I guess there's websites where you can just buy the chips and solder them yourself. Not that I recommend ever trying that on anything. <laughs> uh, but I guess it's for repair shops, mom and pop repair mm -hmm. shops. That's why they sell those. But so I, I'm sure they're getting it even cheaper. These cards do not cost a lot to make. So eventually someone, dude, Tesla will. Tesla just decided to sell <laughs> flamethrowers. Tesla yeah. just decided to turn into an underground burrowing company. Yeah. Like there are companies with a lot of money. And if the margins are this high, someone will take notice and just go, fine. It's, it's not as good, but uh, we're going to sell it for half as much. Yeah. So when are we? When can we? Expect when would that Amora's, happen? <laughs> yeah. Well, when can we expect a Moore's Law is dead GPU? Is that is that ever going to happen? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, a Moore's Law is dead GPU. So <laughs> if Bitcoin hits a billion dollars, I promise <laughs> to start a GPU company for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. I think I, I think this is the drinking game. I say when Tom says Bitcoin, he's getting tired or needs a drink. Uh, so, or everyone can take their shots now. So I think we pretty much covered everything. Uh, yeah. But I really did. Uh, I think we actually covered everything quite coherently and well. I think this was pretty good talk. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Thank you very much for inviting me. Like, I, yeah, I really I'll, appreciate it. I'll definitely be inviting you again. I had a lot of fun with this whenever there's awesome. an interesting subject we both want to talk about. But so just again, for, you know, everyone knows who I am who's listening on the podcast feed. But well, who, who are you? Where can they find you? Um, my, my name's David. <laughs> I, I've never had to plug myself before. Um, mm -hmm. I, my channel's called David Does Tech Stuff. And I, I, I'm not... My channel it is... D-A-W-I-D. Yes. D-A-W-I-D. And it's not the most serious tech channel. Like, I pretty much just play with PC hardware. Like, I, I, I don't take myself or anything that I do too seriously. I just want to screw mm -hmm. around with, with PC hardware because I love interacting with it. Um, so if you're interested in that, you can come check it out. Yeah, and you do a lot of interesting... See, the thing is, I've, there are some channels I used to like where I'll look and I just notice now they just get like, you know, a, a few thousand views in a, a video and it's all motherboard reviews and they're clearly just getting paid to do the same motherboard <laughs> reviews once a day. And I'm like, is that fun? But if I go to your channel, like the GT710 video, I was like, oh, look at that. I haven't seen someone do this before or I saw you comparing... I think you had like what was an AliExpress 1050 Ti's. You were just kind of looking at goofy stuff out there. That was a pretty embarrassing video because I actually, <laughs> I misidentified the card because I was like looking on Ali AliExpress for, for a 1050 Ti that didn't quite look right. And I saw an Asus variant and I was like, I have never seen that card before. And I know everything about graphics cards. So it's <laughs> definitely fake. I buy it, go through the whole process. And then when finally editing the video, I realized that 
it's it's a card Asus has been making all along. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> so it really <laughs> And I'm sure people will be happy to tell you you're an idiot online. Oh, I told myself I was an idiot. Okay. Like, the, literally, the whole premise of the video turned into laugh at David. Like, take a shot every time he says this is a fake card. You know, so it's… Oh, like, wow. So you… And then you, like, edited it together of you just saying all this stuff and then at the end going, oh, <laughs> yeah. fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you, you know the whole Keck meme? That, like, that like the, the mm-hmm. guy laughing while telling the story. So it's basically like, let's count up all the Kecks every time I try and, like, hint at this card being fake. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I I enjoy kind of you know taking the piss out of myself because it's you know we all make mistakes. Why not? <laughs> if you make a mistake though, you're a technical illiterate, and no one should listen to you. <laughs> yeah, don't don't take my advice on anything. Yeah, no, definitely. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not here to give you advice. I'm here to have fun. Well, I think at the end of the day, you know, you you want people to just think for themselves, and so hopefully mm-hmm. when people mm-hmm. are watching these channels, and I see this like. Like Moore's law is dead is an idiot. Every uh, I can't believe people take what he says as gospel. And it's like, I hope no one's taking what I say as gospel. <laughs> I'm coming up with these interesting ideas and throwing these leaks that I'm provided out there to get you guys thinking. Because here's a crazy idea. I just like talking about leaks and speculation. I love yeah. talking about what graphics card could come out, even if it never does. Yeah, And I hope that's why you listen to Moore's Law is Dead or go to your channel to, you know, actually think about things in a way that isn't just the same bar graphs over and over. Yeah, no, exactly. It's about it's about engaging in conversation with a bunch of people that are just as interested in the topic as you are. It's not about mm-hmm. speaking in absolutes for me. Or proving least. you're right more often than other people, which yeah. there's plenty of places <laughs> yeah. you can do that online. Yeah. By the way, and the only thing I would say is all those people that think they're always right, I dare you to actually go back and read some of your old comments. <laughs> You're wrong more often than you guys think. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so yeah, I, I just kind of screw around pretty much is the, <laughs> is the point. All right. Well, I actually have to go to the bathroom. So this okay. is when I cut <laughs> off the podcast. All right. Well, I appreciated it and we'll talk again. Awesome. Thank you very much. Have a nice weekend. Yeah, you too. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Broken Silicon, a PC hardware and gaming podcast, is predominantly brought to you by me, Tom, of Moore's Law is Dead. You can find all my content, including videos, articles, and this podcast at www.moreslawsdead.com. And of course, it is also often co-hosted by my brother, Dan. And it is edited by my sound engineer, Gerard Cortez. You can find his contact information at www.moreslawsdead.com. You can also find the contact information of my article editor, Carbon Cry. Now, of course, if you want to keep the show running, I really do hope you rate me on your podcasting platform of choice, share it with your friends, and if you have the money, but only if you do, consider supporting me on Patreon at Moore's Law is Dead. If you do, you get access to the Discord to talk to other enlightening people who work not just at AMD, not just at NVIDIA, but often in the server space and other computing areas that people often overlook. And of course, if you support it, you can get access to reading these people's names that keep the show running. But without further ado, let me give thanks to my greatest supporters. The following supporters are at the net burst 10 gigahertz or higher supporter level. 
Bootman, Hunter Drake, Dean, Ruckus, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, Tomas Baraj, Jesse Blanton, Jordan Betcher, Muhammad Al-Khwari, Matthew Brubacher, Prime Tech TV, Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Herod, Calm Marco, Otterwise Tech, Thai Rister, The Ninth Dude, Greg Renegar, Kulin Lau, Daniel Cage, Night Rogue 77, Mechanical Philosopher, Lebo Kinkilo, Bollocks, Derek Evans, Matthew McMullen, Christoph Novak, Neil X01, Matt Salem, Aaron Close, Sexy, Scott Schoff, Frederick Lau, Alexander Dolar, Lethros, Telos, Kaiden, Greg T. Wanchek, Jacob Barber, Exoti, Wani Care Bear, Matthew Lane, Paul Jones, Jan Rohner, Rubber Ducks, Nick Neasy, Ali Robertson, Gordon Lamb, and Carbon Cry. Thank you all for your support. <laughs>